Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartis, and joining me as he does every single Sunday night, MB Fantasy Life's finest, a true friend and a great guy overall. Dwayne McFarlane, what's up, man? <laughs> great guy overall. He has some flaws, but you know, <laughs> man, I'm good. How about you? Oh, just telling you before, I'm coming to you all live from a uh, random Chicago Airbnb. It's been a wedding weekend. Love my friends, even when they have to do a freaking fall Saturday wedding, Dwayne. But we persevered, still have Red Zone in the lovely uh, city of Chicago. So was able to still catch most of the action today, even if I wasn't able to, you know, completely hijack my uh, friends and families to watch, you know, a bunch of grown men play football like I do more times than not. So with all that in mind, Dwayne and I, as always, can go through each and every Every game from Sunday using everything we saw, some of the cool shit on the back end of PFF that helps us hopefully predict the future in a good way. And with that, we will get going with probably the most shocking result of the day. Panthers 21, Buccaneers 3, covering covering as a 13 and a half point dog, the under cash at 39. So before you know, we'll get to all the Tampa Bay problems in a second, Dwayne, but I like to start off with the winners, especially when our guy mm. Tommy Trembles himself finds <laughs> the end zone. That was hey. a fun Yo, Tommy, Tommy Trembles. Tommy Trembles over here, you know, just finding the end zone. But Tommy Trembles' touchdown was fun. But obviously, the really big, important fantasy note was this backfield, with all due respect to DJ Moore having a nice amount of yards and a touchdown. So with this backfield, we did have Deontay Foreman end up with the lead, 15 carries, two targets, and 54% snaps. That was mostly, though, Dwayne, because of Chuba suffering that ankle injury. So if you look at just the first three quarters of that game before the ankle, Hubbard had 22 snaps, 14 for Foreman. Adam Schefter has come on said it's a minor sprain of the ankle but quote unquote he could have come back in if needed hilariousness aside that the Panthers didn't even need Chuba Hubbard to come back into a game against the Buccaneers was there anything about that usage Dwayne that made you like really feeling better about them moving forward because I think it was a good performance from this group but we've still seen six weeks out of this season that tells us this is a very bad offense I would think that would be the case more weeks than not moving forward yeah, I'm I'm still scared to death of this backfield. Um, what we know is that it's a split. Now, we did see Chuba Hubbard quite a bit more. So if we look at, uh, he got hurt like the first or second snap of the fourth quarter. And so before that, he had handled 55% of the snaps, 67% of the rushing attempts. Um, Deonta Foreman had 35% of the snaps, 33% of the rushing attempts. Foreman did handle the two-minute offense. Oddly enough, that's the thing that we thought belonged to Chuba Hubbard. So in bizarro world, um, you know, where we just really don't know jack shit, um, it was actually Deontay Foreman with the passing down snaps. They did split the long down and distance work, and they split the short yardage work evenly. Now, some of that could have just came down to the way the drives divided out, right? If you happen to be out there on the drive that you had and the short down and distance came up, can't always be sure I haven't had a chance to dig into that exactly, but it did look like Chuba was in the lead. Um, now both, both backs look good today. You know, both of them were over four yards after contact. Both of them were over 10% in explosive rush rate. So those are carries of 10 plus yards, 13% for Deonta Foreman, 22% for Chuba Hubbard, but man, it's still hard. Like, I don't know, like, would I be surprised if it totally flip flop next week, even if Hubbard is, you know, healthy and it's Foreman, I don't know that we can trust it. And then to your point, it's just not a good offense. It's still probably going to be trailing for the, you know, the majority of plays today. They only had to drop back to pass 48% of the time. They ran the ball 52% of plays a day because they were ahead pretty much the whole game on the bucks. And so you had a perfect game script that worked out. It was just wild. Like would we have ever expected this team, you know, number one, not, you know, beating the bucks, you know, is a huge thing, but being in a position where they would actually come out and run the ball on this defense, 118 yards for Foreman, 63 yards for Chuba Hubbard. I mean, 
I don't know. Maybe they're going to go Arthur Smith. We just we're not we're going to refuse to pass. We're just going to we're just going to run the ball every play. Anything's possible when you got XFL Hall of Famer PJ Walker uh, under center, <laughs> Dwayne. Just a, just a great day uh, for the XFL there. So again, awesome performance from the Panthers. Uh, looks like they made it out of the game pretty injury free. Again, other than that Hubbard ankle injury, but it's not supposed to be too serious. Uh, DJ Moore did get banged up when he ran into the freaking wall after scoring his touchdown, score. but it did seem like you know he came back in the game and all was fine. So yeah, move those freaking walls back. We don't always have to tunnel for uh, you know Bo Jackson to go running down. On the other side of things, Dwayne, just it's another it was week. A big, it was a big time funnel to DJ today. Ten <laughs> targets, seven yeah. receptions. You know, he had 48% of the target share. And, you know, honestly, that's the way it should be. Like in this offense right now with CMC gone, Robbie Anderson gone, like we thought it might be more condensed and it definitely was. So if they can find ways to scheme it to him, maybe this at least makes more serviceable. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. I still I'm still hesitant to move him out of anything more than like a mid range, low end wide receiver three. Yeah, because the other problem is uh, what you were saying about them wanting to run the ball more. Like, I don't think it's going to be a situation where we're going to see them asking P.J. Walker, Baker, or Darnold to throw the ball 40 times. So, yeah, it was great that he made them more out of it this week because he finally did it for the first time all season. Ten targets overall last three weeks. He had 7, 8, 11. So, earlier on in the year, the volume really was the issue. Again, I just think it's the whole offensive environment. At least we do know that it is possible still in the year 2022 for D.J. Moore to flirt with a boom but i mean come on we're not gonna have him as like a wide receiver too now he's still gonna be someone that you know very very much so does not need to be started each and every week obviously depending on the roster so on the buccaneer side of things three well, hang on if you, if you play in a 32 team fantasy league you can pick up Terrace marshall otherwise don't worry Jesus. about it he did get 96 percent of the routes today and he is a former second round pick so we always i only throw it out there because you know he was a high draft pick last year there were some things we liked it didn't work out so you're playing a super deep league and you know uh it's like what john hansen calls on sirius xm you know he says a skank league like if you're in a skank league <laughs> there's nothing on the wire ian we're in some of these together we're in some skank leagues or there's nothing nothing on the wire terrace marshall you know you can probably get him on a men bid and just see what happens if anything don't for god's sake don't start him though Dwayne's trying to get this podcast to go three hours, cutting me off. So I'm sorry. I just, had to, I just <laughs> had to say one nice thing about, you know, uh, another another Panthers player. You know, they're the winners. We have to give them some positivity. All right, that go ahead. Ian. But with that positivity, I will note that Marshall did drop what would have been a nice little 30 <laughs> chunk gain out there. So, so never mind. Don't pick with, him up. <laughs> With that said, though, let's go back and take a look at, uh, yeah, your three and four Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, fun little stat from Rap Sheet and NFL Research. Tom Brady has a losing record through his first seven games of the season for the first time since 2002. This Buccaneers offense, they've only scored more than 21 points one time, and that was in that, you know, beat down against Kansas City where they were just kind of in comeback mode the whole game. Buccaneers games without more than 21 points. They only had two in 2020, only three last year. Already this year, they have six. Dwayne, I saw you tweeting through, you know, tweeting through some issues, trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. And you had an interesting take that a lot of people seem to be pointing towards the pressure that's been Tom Brady's face as the cause of this. Maybe not. And, you know, there's a lot of nuances and context that goes into any single stat, obviously. But, hey. So far, at least this year, according to last year, as you as you said on Twitter, not actually that big of a difference in terms of how often Brady's been pressured. Yeah, over the last two years, uh, 22% of the time he's dropped back, he's been under pressure. This year, only 20%. His average time to throw is down a little bit this year, 2.25 versus, you know, last year it was like over 2.35. 
And then if you look at, um, you know, just his average time to pressure, it's really the same as well. So he's not being pressured any faster. He's not being pressured anymore. What I couldn't figure out uh, how to get to, I used to know how to do this um, in the back end tool in PFF, or whatever reason I couldn't figure it out before the show. I wanted to see how much interior pressure, right? Because we know they've got all these interior offensive linemen hurt. Matt Waldman, I thought, made a really good point. You know, when I threw that question out there, he's like, you know, not all pressures, you know, created equal pressure up the middle could be much more problematic for Brady. So maybe that's what's going on. But his completion percentages, his adjusted completion percentage, all that stuff's the same. A dots down slightly. Um, it's just the touchdowns aren't there, Ian. Like, I mean, it's overall like I feel like the offense is still kind of on the verge. But for whatever reason, and, and maybe it's to do with Chris Godwin still getting better. Um, they've kind of had Cam Brate in and out of the offense. You know, they've had, you know, Russell Gage really hasn't clicked yet. Julio hasn't been in there. Mike uh, Evans, you know, has was dinged up today. You know, so even though he stayed out there and he played, I think he left the lineup like twice where he had to go over to the sideline with different injuries. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's an injury thing with the receivers, but they're still throwing the ball plenty. 12 targets today to Godwin and 13 to Mike Evans. <laughs> That will work. We'll take that volume eight days of the week. And obviously Tom Brady, as you guys all saw, certainly should have had a nice uh, faster start to this one when he hit Mike Evans for what should have been a walk-in 70-yard touchdown after the corner fell down. Unfortunately, Evans went ahead, sheeshed that, straight up dropped it. There was another play where Evans had his hands on a pass that would have been good for another 25 or 30 yards, not a touchdown or anything, but weird one of those things, man, where you look at the Evans box score, nine catches, 96 yards. If you didn't watch the game, you're just like, oh, great job, Mike Evans. Really did leave a lot of meat on that boom. Chris Goblin also had a long ball go just off his fingertips. Would have been an incredible diving catch, but the offense is close. I am going to be one of a million people, you know, this week to say I would not overly panic. We are still getting all sorts of pass game volume, and you just got to think they are going to figure it out at some point. A couple more injuries, though. Evans did get banged up on a weird incompletion later in the game where he had to kind of sit down. I believe he came back in after. He I'm did. not okay. He, he did, did come so. back in, but yeah. He's he's a king of that man. Like him, Julio, Tyreek, a little bit. Like you just Amari Cooper see does it. Oh yeah. my gosh, just hobbling off the field. Luckily, coming back on later. As soon as as soon as you're like, wait, what happened with Mike Evans? Like, oh, there he is making another catch out there. And also, Russell Gates unfortunately did re-enter that hamstring. So that's been the unfortunate part to him with this whole offense. Like, I think they were expecting Gates to not be Antonio Brown, but be someone that they could go to in moments, and he could win one-on-one in coverage. And Gates just really the whole year he's been questionable almost every single week with his hamstring injuries playing through the pain but just has not really looked like that really promising player that we saw for most of last season in Atlanta so hopefully they can figure it out Julio Jones seems to be a little bit closer to getting back obviously can't exactly you know trust that it's going to be too long of a stretch once he is but a man can dream Bengals took down the Falcons 35 to 17 covering at six and a half point favorites game total cash the over at 47 and a half just another absolutely bonkers game from Joe Burrow and he's starting to rack him up here Dwayne we were a little bit worried to start the year all of a sudden back-to-back overall QB1 finishes now he did this last season at the very end like he actually really boomed a lot of his fantasy numbers with back-to-back overall QB1 finishes now he's doing it in week six and seven so if this is a you know beginning of even bigger things to come oh my goodness but yes 345 passing yards at halftime Tyler Boyd 155 yards 
yards in the tutty. Jamar Chase had two touchdowns, 130 yards. Honestly, like we finally saw that deep ball get a nice connection there. And then when AJ Terrell missed time with a hamstring, it just didn't really look like anyone on the field could go out there and guard uh, and guard Jamar Chase one on one. Higgins had a good game, 93 yards. He could have had a touchdown, got just short, tried to reach over the goal line for his fantasy managers, not quite there. And also Tyler Boyd almost had a second touchdown once again, out of bounds, just short. So hey, I don't have a big question here, Dwayne, because everything looks fantastic <laughs> with the Bengals. We got three really good wide receivers. And I think if you had to go across the league, receiver one, two, and three, you know, okay, I get the arguments. You want to say Tyreek Waddle and, you know, you Dwayne versus whoever in the league. But, <laughs> you know, from top to bottom, you can argue that these are the league's, you know, single best trio of wide receivers. Joe Mixon going out there, not being the most efficient guy, but still scoring a touchdown. He has looked better, at least in recent weeks compared to the start of the year. If we start seeing this bank, I mean, this, all right, this Bengals offense is now playing like what we thought they were going to play like all season long. And that is really good for everyone involved. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway here, we don't need to talk about any players. Like it's a pretty condensed offense. We know who the players are. 69% of the plays that they to, today, they dropped back to pass. They were yes. leading after their first drive. Like they led the whole game. So they went down and scored seven points. They never trailed. It was never close. It was never within three after that. So for them to still drop back and throw the ball 69 or at least drop back, you could get sacked, right? Or you could scramble, but drop back rate still at 69%. That is huge because typically like an NFL team, when leading by just three points or more, they drop back to pass 50%. And so the Bengals were 19 percentage points above that today, and they were leading by way freaking more than that. So it's like they put their they put the pedal to the metal, which is really what we've wanted to see. Um, we saw that in Joe Burrow's rookie season. It went away last year. We got it down the stretch. It's kind of what they were doing, you know, in the playoff run. They slowed it down a little bit in the Super Bowl early in this season. It wasn't quite there, but here for these last couple of games, we've seen it back again. So I think that's the big takeaway. This offense is going to be willing to throw. It moves everyone up. And and like, look, you're already going to have Jamar Chase. You're going to have T. Higgins, you know, at the top of your ranks anyway. But it helps the guys like Tyler Boyd. Ian. If, if, if they're going to drop back and throw the ball this much, Tyler Boyd now becomes viable again. He had fallen into that wide receiver four territory. This could bring him up back up into that wide receiver three range now. It was kind of funny on the Boyd 60-yard touchdown, wide open downfield. And I yeah. saw I saw Robert Mesa tweet out the replay. And the safety legit just, you know, turf monster just fell down. Wasn't it? Wasn't a special route. Wasn't this great play design. Just hey, sometimes a guy falls That's down. That's one of those, yeah. It's one of those few that we look at the charting stuff that you and I get to go see. <laughs> and every once in a while you'll find that rare wide open. You know, and it's usually yeah. somebody fell down <laughs> <laughs> almost <Yeah. laughs> every single time. Uh yeah, again, we know we got we know we have now in Cincy and Chris great to see zach taylor actually you know playing to his strengths what an incredible novel idea yeah, man that is now on Love the it. other side of the ball i don't think Dwayne's gonna be happy hey real quick just yeah. where are you putting joe burrow now like rest of the season like he's got to be in the top five six now right like doing yeah, this every I mean, week it's just god I, I don't know how to not i mean we've called him a mid-range qb1 all along so it's not like we've been low on the dude right but yeah. i mean at this point i'm kind of like okay like i mean him versus kyler push- I think you got to go him over Kyler at this point. You know? Probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, we still like Kyler. We know the rushing is going to be there, but Burrow's scoring the touchdowns, man. He's got the weapons to do it. Great point by Dane Dash. It is too bad Auden Tate isn't there anymore. And then we could be talking about the best quartet <laughs> in the NFL. Maybe one day. He's still a free agent since so you guys could Dane use Dash, a little he, bit. He really wants us to go three hours. <laughs> get Ian going on Auden Tate. <laughs> already talking about Auden Tate 15 minutes in. Great day to be great. On the Falcons side of things, yeah. It's, it's kind of weird when you lose a game by 18. Your starting quarterback has a whopping 13 pass attempts on the day. And, man, We've seen Mariota do it okay this year. Like London had the 
three top 36 finishes to start the year. Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts. We all understand that at this point, but the man had a thousand yards last year. He can't be that freaking bad at football. They just are refusing to go to the air. The one touchdown they did get was Demir Bird, who's, you know, on his quest to play for all 32 NFL teams by the end of his career, 75 yards deep down the middle when the Bengals just really thought, I think he was running more of a clear out route, but yeah, man, the biggest, you know, she situation of the game was easily Kyle Pitts actually getting a nice design goal line play defensive end realized he was matched up with Kyle Pitts and just tackled him. So they went back to him. And then basically the same thing that happened to Darnell Mooney in that bears Washington game a couple of weeks ago happened where he had the touchdown past the line, but then he slightly bobbled it. So by the time he regained possession, he was about an inch short of the end zone. But here we are, Dwayne, through seven weeks in the non-garbage time situations. The Falcons have a 46.4% pass play rate. They're the only team in the NFL running the ball on over half of their plays. I mean, look, the Bears and Titans are next closest. We all know those are extremely run-first offenses. They're at least at a 51% pass play rate. So I don't want to go too crazy because let's face it, going into this game, this was a top 10 offense and pretty much everything. So as, as annoying as it is for our fantasy aspirations, we do need to give Arthur Smith a little bit of credit for weeks one through six fielding and good offense. With that said, it was weeks one through six. Now, if I had to guess what weeks, you know, seven through 18 are going to look like, Dwayne, I do think more likely chance of being bottom 10 than top 10. Yeah, and he had a lot of they had a lot of stuff break their way early in the season, like turnovers, field position, a lot of things went the, the Falcons way um, when they don't get the ball to bounce their way and they have to play from behind like this, like Arthur Smith, look, dude, I, I get it. You, you don't trust Marcus Mariota, but like he's going to give you a better shot to come back and win the game than running Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley <laughs> freaking 50 times. Like what the hell they were down. So this game, they trailed 100% of their snaps by seven points or more. They dropped back to pass 45% of the time. Of course, multiple of those turned into scrambles from Mariota, which is how you still just end up with 13 pass attempts. Um, the NFL average this season, 2022, the, the year 2022 after our Lord, like 72%. Like, so uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, this is too much. It's too freaking much. Like, when you know you have London, you know you have Pitts. Like, I, I get it. You may not trust Mariota, but he's going to, he gives you a better chance once you're down by like 17. Like, you got to throw the ball some more. I just want Cordero Patterson back. Otherwise, I don't want to talk about this Falcons <laughs> offense until then. Fair enough. Dallas Cowboys took down the Detroit Lions 24 to 6, covering as a seven point favorite under cash at 49. Where's uh where's Restore the Roar Nation? Dwayne was the one in five start a part of that. Everyone and their mother picked the Lions as the upset team of the week. I don't know. I, I don't see people retracting on it. Hey, I went out there, I said Michael Gallup. I I Big proud, had about six old fashions in me at the wedding. I said, oh, why, why couldn't Michael Gallup go for a big-ass game here? Everyone was on CD. I noticed that Michael games. Gallup's head was slightly off on the helicopter. Like, it might have been like That was snack. the problem. Yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. I, you got something to put there. You were actually telling everyone not to start Michael Gallup. Like, he, fe he actually fell down the ladder. Like, if it's, you go look at the picture of the helicopter. The helicopter is always supposed to be a fade. It was actually, like, wrong, wrongly correct for, like, a little bit. Everyone got this weird idea in their head. So, like, I don't know. Quit yelling <laughs> at me, people. Okay? So, all that nonsense aside, I will say with this Cowboys offense, I mean, hey, you win by freaking 18 points. Who, who cares how you got the win? Their defense still looks absolutely fantastic. And Dak just being out there healthy is a very good thing moving forward. 
We do now have a two-game, a whopping two-game sample size. More like seven quarters now of Dak and this offense, and they really haven't been good. Looking at just week one and week seven, their EPA per play would be 31st in the league, only better than the Panthers. They'd be dead last in yards per play at just 4.7. Touchdown drive rate, 28th. Not good with these two starts. Again, just seven quarters, but this was the league's 32nd ranked scoring defense. And the Cowboys really only were having success, you know, running with Pollard and Zeke. And that really took until the second half uh, to really get that going. What are your overall expectations on the? It's, it's wild, man. All the way back in the year 2021, Cowboys were number one scoring offense. And the Buccaneers were number two scoring offense. Like, how are you approaching this Cowboys offense now that we've seen this versus before the season? Because I know. I mean, hey, we talked about it enough times. At a minimum, we were expecting top five, top ten production. But if we had to kind of just rank the scoring offenses moving forward, I think the Cowboys would be a bit closer in the middle than maybe uh, we would actually anticipate without doing that exercise. Yeah, I think they're more in the middle. Um, you know, but it, it, we're early. You know, yeah. I mean, really, this is only Dak's second game of the season. The first game was just the, the first game was far more worrisome than this one. Um, yeah, I agree. I would like to see them put up, you know, more against a, an offense that, you know, everybody is basically thrashed. Um, but they got ahead and they leaned into the run game. It was working. So it kind of is what it is. I do. I do think that's in their range of outcomes now, right? That they're going to be much more willing to use the running game. Zeke really looked decent again, like didn't hurdle. look as good as hurdle yeah, man. First had time the hurdle, in a decade. Yeah. Had the hurdle move out. Um, you know, he didn't look quite as good as he did last week but was still pretty good. You know, at a 70.3 PFF rushing grade today, Tony Pollard haven't had a 79.1. So yeah, they were getting it done on the ground. And I do think there's going to be games where if they can, if they can win this way, because they have less weapons in the passing game now, right? When you don't have Amari Cooper anymore, um, Dalton Schultz, let's face it, just has not been healthy all season. You know, he tweaked the MCL again, you know, Dalton Schultz gets hurt every week. And all I hear is he's going to be fine. You know, he's going to be fine. He's going to practice in full, but then he's not going to be able to really play, you know, in full. He, he really landed awkwardly, though, early in the game. You know, we're, we're lucky that he didn't tear something on that play. Um, but like he had a 20 percent target share, 31 percent targets per route run. Like Dak really does like Dalton Schultz. Like I, I have to say that over these last couple of years, like he's really leaned into him. Um, but Dak did spread it around today. CD still had a 24 percent target share, which was fine. That is his lowest of the season. Noah Brown had a 28 percent. You know, you got to get the ball to Noah Brown. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just going to be an offense where whenever they just want to run it, you know, and, and they've got a lead, like they may not keep the pedal to the metal, right? Like what we used to see. And that's going to be a little bit of a difference, but I think overall it will be okay. Like, I'm not going to freak out yet. And we did, to be fair, see that kind of last year because there was that shootout against the Buccaneers in week one. And then the Cowboys were just winning games pretty comfortably. Giants, Panthers, some things like that. And all of a sudden, Dak's pass attempts way closer to 30 than the 40, 50 or so that we were seeing, especially in 2020 before he got hurt when the Cowboys defense just wasn't even close to what we're seeing right now with Micah Parsons doing Micah Parsons things. Uh, I would note that Dalton Schultz did get a DPI in the end zone. So he was actually pretty close to having a touchdown on that total. And to Dwayne's point, horrific play. I mean, it wasn't a cowboy collar, but he got like leaned bent back like it kind of he ended up having his ankle uh, and knee underneath him. So he was hobbling the rest of the game. I'm sure he's like going to have some DMPs limited practice on the injury report. But hey, good for Dalton Schultz playing through the pain, going out there, getting his fantasy managers a solid 9.9 points. If you can look at that tight end position on your fantasy team, Dwayne, like I know, hey, some of us have Andrews and uh, sorry, too soon on Andrews. Some of us have Kelsey on the <laughs> team out there and, you know, we're consistently just thrilled uh, about all that. But just anytime you can get those 
eight or nine points. Not the worst floor uh, to have out there. Now, on the other side of things, injuries. Again, Schultz was playing banged up. Zeke looked like he got really banged up when he took a you know shoulder to the knee, but he came right back out there and didn't look any worse for the wear afterwards. The true shitty injury of the day was Amon Ross St. Brown getting knocked out early with a concussion. We will see if he manages to take it back. After the initial kind of concussion stuff was happening, it seemed like the NFL was going to make it a lot harder for players to come back in just a week. But Kenny Pickett just did it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully the sun god uh, recovers uh, in, in quick order. With that said, Dwayne, the Detroit Lions in their last eight quarters of football have scored six points. The number one scoring offense in the league through the first, you know, four weeks of the year, all of a sudden can't do anything. Now, Amon Ra's been hurt. DeAndre Swift has been out. DJ Chark has been out. Josh Reynolds was banged up. There's not many guys to get the ball to, but it's also Jerry Goff, a quarterback. Maybe we should have looked at those first four weeks and said, is this really going to be a top five scoring offense the rest of the way? Every now and then you do get the Seattle Seahawks, who, yeah, they can't keep on keeping on. What are your overall thoughts on this banged up Detroit Lions offense? Because I don't think Swift is necessarily like completely on the verge of coming back. We haven't gotten good news out of that. Amon Ra's hurt again. Like, do you think this is an offense where we still want to be taking chances on guys like Josh Reynolds, like Jamal Williams, only getting 45% snaps out there because we got to keep Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson happy? Is this still an offense that you think can help enable more players than just the Sun God and DeAndre Swift when they are healthy? Well, I think you got to get the other players back. I, I, Jared Goff is not a quarterback that's going to overcome on his own. You know, he needs the other weapons. You know, he needs the, he needs, he's like a, he's a point guard, right? You know, he, he needs all the surrounding weapons. And then we've seen him in the past do it with the Rams. He's, 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 you know, led multiple good offenses in his history. So if they have all the weapons, I think it's fine. You're going to get some good games out of Jared Goff. You're still going to get the occasional stinker because he is Jared Goff. But right now with him not having anybody with, without all the guys that you name. Yeah. I think it's really tough to trust, especially when even the guys that they have out there, you know, are not hard or hardly able to practice like Josh Reynolds. So it's, it's a super banged up team. Um, Jamal Williams, you know, where his value really comes from is whenever they're scoring all the points because he gets to score the touchdowns. He's he's you know he's still getting sixty two percent of the rushing attempts, but to your point, like his overall snap rates are not that much because we've already talked about in the past they're giving all the passing down work to Craig Reynolds. Essentially, DeAndre Swift and Justin Jackson are taking not DeAndre Swift, Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson are taking the old DeAndre Swift role, and and Jamal Williams has picked up some extra carries in the meantime. So if they don't have Amon Ra, if they don't have you know at least Josh Reynolds healthy. It just makes it tougher to to trust Jamal Williams. When they have those guys and they got the right matchup, yeah, he's going to always be a threat to score one or two touchdowns, and then he's fine. That basically puts him in the same range as Zeke, right? I mean, that's what Jamal Williams is right now in the role he has today. When DeAndre Swift is back, right, he's in a little bit of a lesser role than what we see with Zeke. Jamal could have, should have, would have had a touchdown or at least not fumbled the ball at the freaking one yard line after Brock Wright got them down there in the first place. So again, close to a big day, unfortunately was not. And yeah, I have not seen Jamal get the sort of three down roll with the pass down work that I still think is still second handle, but apparently they are not willing to do that in Detroit. Titans took down the Colts 19 to 10, covering us two and a half point favorites. The under cash at 43. It's Derrick Henry in this offense, Dwayne. They, 
I think Tannehill is still competent, but when they can play with the lead, Tannehill isn't going to throw the ball more than 20, 25 times. Today, we did only see 22 dropbacks, maybe an extra one with a scramble or something like that. But yeah, this is, again, a top three run-heavy offense in the NFL, and why not? Derrick Henry, fourth straight game with over 130 total yards. They're continuing to keep him steadily involved in the passing game, and he looks good out there, man. 112 of his 128 rushing yards came after contact. So yeah, Derrick Henry, you're loving Derrick Henry, and that's fantastic for your fantasy team anything happening in this wide receiver room Dwayne because through seven weeks this is the only offense without a single not just one week of one wide receiver they have zero top 24 finishes the entire season it has been bad yeah I mean Robert Woods is out there that's all I can tell you he's (laughs) out there 87% route participation uh Nick Westbrook Akini 83% route participation he had a 10% target share, but came up with a donut, you know, in the fantasy score. So it's really just, you know, it's all about Derrick Henry. I will say Derrick Henry has 16 targets over the last four games. That's a career high over any four game stretch in his career. They continue to try to get him the ball in the passing game. He had three more targets today. Um, you know, he didn't, they did not use the two minute offense today in classic, you know, Tennessee fashion. So I can't really tell you if that trend continued or not because they did not use it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just Derrick Henry. That's it. He's he's everything. 30 freaking rushing attempts today. So, you know, just got to roll with it. Dude, I mean, he has 17 targets now. And his first yeah. three years in the league, playing 15 and 16 games, he had 15, 17, and 18 targets. Like yeah. the, the 16 the, or over the last four. Like, he only had one before that. That's so. always been the thing with Derrick Henry. I'm not asking him to be on pace to catch 130 passes like Austin Eckler. Just more than one per game because when you get this guy in space he does good things going into this week Derek Henry was number one running back in PFS yards per route run metric is that mean he's the single best receiving running back in the league no but it means he's being pretty efficient with the opportunities given to him credit to the Titans for finding a way to, hey be four and two keeping on keeping on winning and also getting their big dog plenty involved in all facets of the game Ryan Tannehill did get rolled up on pretty fluky situation where his lineman fell on him it looked bad for a second he did manage to return to the game so again one of those things where don't be surprised if he's out there on the injury report once some of the once some of the the, uh, adrenaline wears off but luckily seems to have avoided anything long term on the Colts side of the ball just another terrible game for Matt Ryan we gave him some credit last week that was a good performance this one was not and now through seven weeks Jared Goff and Matt Ryan are tied with 14 turnover worthy plays on the season Ryan already with nine interceptions and this is your weekly reminder that last year in this offense Carson Wentz only had seven all season so with the Matt Ryan experience it has not been good and it's really just honestly I think been worse for Jonathan Taylor we saw Naeem Hines out there a lot in their comeback mode kind of game script and when you look up Dwayne and maybe it just was his first game back but 55 percent snaps for Jonathan Taylor luckily somehow you know he got those seven receptions out there to kind of salvage the day in full PPR but it's just one of those things where this Colts passing game I keep expecting the volume to go down, but if Ryan's going to play this shitty, they just kind of have to keep passing. Uh, it's a weird phenomenon that's going on, but the three, three and one Colts, man, we're getting a lot of this pass game volume for Taylor, for Hines, for Paris Campbell, for Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, better games than he has had this one. So it's just weird, Dwayne, to ha- kind of have like low key now quite a few guys that we can be interested <laughs> in pass catchers, even though, again, this is a, bad passing game led by a quarterback turned the ball more uh turned the ball over than just anyone so again annoying performance from Jonathan Taylor aside just because it's Jonathan Taylor and we'd like to see him you know go for a buck 50 and two touchdowns every week how much are you believing in the Paris Campbell renaissance and Michael Pittman just keeping on keeping on uh doing big things more weeks than not 
Yeah, so this is one of those offenses now where we can say, hey, there's volume. We can't necessarily say it's going to be quality volume. But it's better than the alternative, right? A bad team also with no volume. Like, this is a bad offense, but at least they are dropping back and throwing it enough that you can sustain something. Paris Campbell, 23 fantasy points today in a PPR, 29% target share. Um, you know, he had 14 target shares over the first five games of the season. We had Frank Wright come out and say, you know, Paris is really close. Like he's on the verge of a breakout. We're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> over the last two games since then, 21 targets. So, you know, you and I have been on Paris Campbell for I don't know how long. And we finally, finally gave up. This is how this works. We finally gave up. And as soon as we do, Two games in a row, Paris Campbell looks really good. So, um, yeah, I think Paris Campbell at this point, like I'd call him a wide receiver four. I'm, he's yeah. going to have to earn it another week to get into the wide receiver three because Alec Pierce has also looked good at times, to your point. As much as I like the volume we have here, like I struggle to see this offense supporting three guys consistently. I think it can probably consist – it could probably support two, and one of them is going to be the odd player out. Right. Um, so but I, I do think Paris Campbell's a guy that you can pick up. You can have him as a wide receiver for you're gonna have quite a few receivers on by next week because you're going to have uh, you're going to have the Chargers out. You're going to have all the Kansas City Chiefs off. So if you're needing someone, you know, to help fill in like you can consider Paris Campbell. I just kind of ignored him this last week. So he's probably not on a lot of the waiver wires that like in the leagues that we play in. He's probably already gone. We had him on every team and we dropped him. <laughs> so, you know, but that's just how it goes. But I, I do think there's something here. You know, I mean, look, he's a guy we've known as talented. It's just never clicked. He's always been hurt. And for whatever reason, now it's working. And so I think that's good. I think this hurts Michael Pittman, though, um, because Pittman now has two other guys challenging. Um, Like if it really was still Pittman in this alpha scenario in this offense with all these passing attempts. Wow. We would be looking at if Pittman had a chance to get to a 30 percent target share in this new Colts offense throwing all the time, like Michael Pittman would be a top 12 receiver. But the volume is is good enough that like we it still keeps him in the wide receiver two conversation. Um, like if this offense was all of a sudden running the ball all the time and splitting up between these three guys, so if the offense does get better, that would be a real risk for Michael Pittman. Obviously, that would be bad for all three of them. And then you get into a scenario like what we see with the 49ers, yeah. where you just you know you don't know which one's gonna gonna score any points each week. Only four players have more than 15 catches over these past two weeks. Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, and then both Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. Again, doing big things with this suddenly pass-happy Colts offense because they kind of have to be. But yes, I do kind of tend to think that it will be mostly Pittman more weeks than not. And this can't – look, Jonathan Taylor only had 10 carries, game script, and first game back from injury. I do think we're going to get back to seeing them trying to ram Taylor down their opponent's throats more weeks than not. Your New York Giants, your six and one New York football Giants took down the Jaguars 23 to 17 ever so closely covering us three point dogs under cash at 43 and a half. So, hey, we got Saquon going out there, continuing to do Saquon things. He had this one run where, you know, unblocked defender in the backfield. The the jump cuts like just on the replay, Dwayne, were absolutely out of this world. And uh, it reminded me of this uh, time in high school where. I got a chance to play some. I, I was a I was a linebacker. I felt good about you know my ability with that. But some guys got hurt, and I had to play a little bit of running back in a pinch. And um, I had a couple games. You know, I was pass blocking well, and our starter came back. A guy that ended up you know playing like D one football at Kent State, so he was like a legit stud. And he came back, and I started thinking to myself like, you know, you, you're pretty good at football. You work hard. Like maybe I can compete for the starting running back job. And I just saw him get a carry and make this cutback that I just knew I would never even dream of attempting. <laughs> like just the. the 
some guys can move differently. You know, I, I was always, if there's four yards there, I'll get you four. You know, this is one of those things where Saquon, sometimes there's no yards there. And you, that's why he's, you know, always popping on the rushing yards over expectation uh, list. So we have Saquon. That's fantastic. Maybe, just maybe, we're starting to get a second viable fantasy guy here in Wandale Robinson. So 11 targets on 40 routes this year. Just a 4.5-yard dot. Look, I, I thought the whip routes last week looked pretty nice. I haven't seen anything incredibly impressive. I don't think we're looking at a Justin Jefferson breakout or even like a George Pickens, Garrett Wilson level caliber of player. But you know what, when, when there's nobody else to throw the ball to in this offense, and they are going to be a competent enough offense, I do think that Wandale Robinson could at least be someone that we're all of a sudden looking at around that wide receiver to borderline. So I thought the hype last week was a little much based on what we've seen from him on the field. But hey, volume is all we can ask for a lot of times. And at a minimum, Wandale Robinson has a lot of volume right now. Yeah, I mean, the big thing we needed was a, an increase in route participation. Last weekend, he was at 35%. He got up to 81% this weekend. Um, I know some people mentioned that he got hit um, you know, in the family jewels, and that caused him to be out a little bit. I will say that he did come back in at least. He played all the way until the very last drive of the game. The last drive of the game, there weren't any receivers out there except for David uh, Sills. And those were all pass. Those were all run blocking plays. There were like six plays on that drive. So Wandell actually would have probably had an even 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 higher you know snap rate, which was seventy percent. The eighty one percent on the routes that that's really good. Twenty five percent target share led the Giants today. I'm like you. So the way I look at him is like maybe it's Jacoby Myers, right? That's what yeah. you're getting. You're like getting it. someone that we think is a especially in PPR, right? In a PPR league, you know, half PPR, it's fine. You're not going to like him as much in standard. Standard, he's probably more of a wide receiver four. But to your point, no one else is earning targets here. And and this guy's coming out. He's a second-round pick. They're invested in him. The coaches like him. Like, he, he will be able to go as far as his talent will take him. Like, he, he, he will be the only barrier to, you know, what can, what can happen here. Um, because there's nothing really standing in his way. So, um, but man, if you could, if you can be between 22, 24% of targets, that's going to be fine. I think that's a fine wide receiver three. You're going to have weeks where you get wide receiver two performances. To your point, not going to be a ton of downfield stuff, a lot of stuff more around the line of scrimmage. But again, in a PPR, you're fine with that, especially when you got all these bye weeks coming up. Daniel Jones, 202 passing yards and a touchdown and 107 yards on the ground with a rushing score as well. Danny Vick, as we've been calling him for years. Hey, man, <laughs> like kudos to the guy. Every uh, week of my quarterback call, I just, you know, list out the quarterbacks projected to finish the season with over 100 rush attempts. And Daniel Jones is right there with Josh Allen. I believe before this week, he was projected for 133 by the end of the year. And it's only going to be up after this one. So it's, hey, man, it's one of those things where last year before the concussion, we we were kind of on Daniel Jones just being a better fantasy quarterback than he is in real life. And again, I'm not trying to slander the guy. He did play a good game out there. And you always see a couple plays throughout the game where he does seem to kind of put it all together. So I would just say in general, this is still going to be an offense going to Saquon first and foremost. And he doesn't, he has Wandale. That's, that's good, but that's still one wide receiver. We feel a little bit okay about shout out to Darius Slayton for his touchdown too. But with Daniel Jones, man, could he be all of a sudden this, borderline QB one, like Justin Fields, where we probably should start prioritizing him no. over. No. Okay. No, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's fine to mix in. If you've got a buy or whatever, and you need to, you know, you need something. I think it's fine. Like, I, like he's going to be around 15 points. He just, he had his blow up game, you know, today, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and it's going to happen whenever you've got a quarterback that can rush like he does when you score the rushing touchdown, like that just sets everything off, right? Like that you get a hundred yards rushing and you get, you know, 
the rushing touchdown on top of it, like that's going to do it for you. So, and that's what you got out of Danny Dimes today. But he's he's usually going to be more like 34 yards rushing, right? And you maybe get a rushing touchdown every fourth game. Um, uh, you know, I don't see a ton of hope for the passing offense is the problem, right? He's going to do what he's going to do on the ground. It's just hard to see a path where he's going to have like these 300-yard passing games. He's probably going to be more around 200, 225 yards. It's kind of a game manager type, you know, offense. So that bothers me. So I'd call him a mid-range QB too, but he has the ability on given on any any week based on matchup, we may put him in that high-end QB two, you know, range. And if he comes through with a rushing touchdown, yeah, he's going to finish in the top twelve. Dwayne mentioned Wandale getting hit in the pecker. The only other injury was Daniel <laughs> Bellinger getting hurt before the half. Unfortunately, got carted to the locker room. So man, that was a yeah with an eye. It was bad. It was his eye. It? Yeah, he got poked in the eye. A defender was coming in to tackle him, and I guess it looked like the defender was going to like go to like punch for the ball, and he went right in his face mask and put his finger right in his eye. Like when he was leaving the field on the cart, like that eye was so red. He's having to see an, he's going to see the eye doctor tomorrow. So I don't, right. I don't know how bad it is. Yeah. One, it's it's one of those things where like, I got catch myself when I say on here like oh yeah it was just a concussion or just something because yeah that's a very serious injury but I when he gets carted off the field it's just like hopefully it's not an ACL taking you out for you know the next year yeah, he shouldn't be out whatever. for the season but okay. yeah he he got poked really hard in the eye that's no joke man I mean I look I watch UFC more than anything other than football and you know you you'll see these eye pokes and you're just like oh come on you know tough it out and they show the replay and you see two knuckles going deep into someone's eye it's like hey, you know what maybe that doesn't feel good I uh, I'm not surprised there on the Jaguars side of things just another underwhelming performance you know Trevor Lawrence did come back and to be fair they were about six inches away from actually winning this game on the game's final play uh Trevor Lawrence threw a nice seed down the seam to Christian Kirk just couldn't quite get into the end zone but still man a lot of missed opportunities out there James Robinson one of his rare snaps beat Jalen Smith on a wheel would have been a touchdown with a perfectly thrown pass it was not Trevor Lawrence misses Zay Jones for a t- potential 17-yard touchdown. Um, also had a p- weird play at the end of the half where uh, T-Law threw a Hail Mary that hit, actually hit Zay Jones in the chest in the back of the end zone. His feet were already out of bounds. But again, a lot of missed opportunities here. Travis Etienne had an explosive run one-on-one with him in the safety in the end zone fumbles it so again not the worst performance in the world i'm not writing off this jaguars offense it's incapable of you know scoring points more in the future and this is a good new york giants football team as we have now been forced to believe and recognize after uh, seven weeks of this but obviously Dwayne, the big story here even with uh, christian kirk getting back on track with zay jones and t law showing some signs though it's the travis Etienne takeover and i don't i, I know exactly how you feel about this Dwayne, because we both are way too overexposed to etn <laughs> but now maybe it could actually be a positive it was funny uh when i was talking to kevin cole on our uh wednesday edition of the podcast i was going through some of robinson's just bad stats and kevin was like jesus man like how much exposure do you have the etn completely <laughs> throwing this guy under the bus so all that said my biases your biases aside Dwayne, travis etn just got an rb1 caliber workload today yeah, absolutely. I think you got to look at him as an RB1 moving forward because he's slowly been building up to this. Uh, 80% of the snaps today, 55% route participation, 63% of the rushing uh, attempts, 57% of the short down and distance snaps, 91% of the long down and distance snaps, 82% of the two-minute offense. So he's pretty much taking it all over. James Robinson was only out there 17% of the snaps today. So um, it's it's kind of been slowly building up to this. And it was in the, and the thing is, it was from the very, it was from the beginning. We had seen James Robinson over the first five games really working uh, with, in the, on those first one or two drives. And then ETM would rotate in. 
over the last two weeks. Last week, we saw ETN and James Robinson kind of together. This week, it was really just ETN from the first drive on. And then he just didn't come off the field. Even after he fumbled, didn't matter. They went back to him. If you look at it at the end of the game, when they're trying to win the game, Travis ETN is the one that they had on the field. So I feel really good about it. Um, 21% targets per route run. That was also an improvement. He ended up with a 12% target share today. That's the number we need to come up, right? Like we just, we, we want that target share. If it could stay around 15% per game, like that would be really huge for ETN. Now he came through on efficiency today. You know, he had the 14 rushing attempts and he ended up turning that into 114 yards and he's starting to break these long runs consistently now, you know, so we've seen it two weeks in a row. It's like, come on though, man, like you're this super explosive guy. Can we get it in? Can we, can we take it to the house? Can we take it to the house? Uh, And you mentioned, you know, he did have the fumble down inside the five. You know, he was going to take on the safety coming downhill at him. The other tackler came in from behind or from the side and just had a perfectly placed. He he had it high and tight to the chest. It was just really a great, it was a great punch out, honestly, by the defender. Like when I was watching, it wasn't like ETN was just being, you know, lazy with the football. And that's probably why it didn't really impact him. Sometimes, you know, a defender just makes a really good play and you're going to fumble the ball. So if you have Travis Etienne, if you have been patient, I know this took some time, but explosive receiving backs, like that, this is why we like them. They have all of these outs, and we're at a point now where, like, dude, today could have been a 25 to 30-point game for Travis Etienne. Yep. Like, he was very close to that. And I know we've said that a couple times this year, but he's he's really due for an absolute monster game. So, and And he's just starting to look better as well. The last two games, he's looked much more comfortable than what he did early in the season. The first five games, I was just kind of like, okay, like I know the data is saying this, but like when I'm watching him, what my eyes are telling me, which isn't always right. That's why we have the data too. I, I just didn't have as good of a feel, but these last two games, I think that he's looked really good. And there's been some good blocking too. The Jaguars every game, man, are like popping one of their runners for a big run on just a perfectly blocked play. 6.1 yards per carry now in the season for ETN. That's third highest mark in the league among 58 qualified backs. 12th in missed tackles force. You know, he's 24th in yards after contact, but that's still a number right there at Kenneth Walker and Jonathan Taylor as well. So he's passing the eye test. Everything beyond it saying is good too. I know what you're saying about him not like he gets these 40, 50 yard runs, and but you're like, you look like the fastest guy in the field. Can you not take that 80? It's like <laughs> a Mar- like running out of gas or what? <laughs> it's like a Mario Kart when you got that golden mushroom and like you sometimes don't get like the huge top speed because you're just you're boosting every single time. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch. He's um, again, one of the most explosive guys out there. Look, as a diehard, ignorant Ohio State fan, the two players playing against Ohio State that just scared me the most over the last 10 years, every time they touched the ball were Saquon Barkley and Travis etn so it's just good to see that still is etn because his last year at clemson we had the concerns about the drop off and we kind of attribute to the offensive line and then coming back from the list frank who knows looking really good i mean hey it's just one week Dwayne. we'll hear what they have to say about james robinson you know hopefully peterson's not give it hopefully he doesn't give us like a rational excuse and we got to worry about this going back into a two rb system if this usage persists i mean look etn was on the field for 82 percent of the snaps saquon was on the field for 83 percent. that is top 10 top 12 usage next week though yes i'm starting etn everywhere but probably more so of a mid low end rb2 i believe we do only have two teams on the buy yeah, I think, you know, we've got to let these guys kind of earn their way back up. Like his utilization profile today is that of a low-end RB1, Yeah, you know. Um, but, like, we need to see it another week. But I agree with you. Like, so I had moved him in. I have him as a high-end RB3 this week. So I'll probably move him to, like, a mid-range RB2 this week. And then if he does this again next week, like, he'll move into RB1 territory. But the utilization profile today, if it, if it persists, yeah. 
he'll perform like he's going to be an RB1 next week. We just don't know for sure if they won't get Robinson a little bit more involved. Because let's be, to be fair to Robinson, I know Travis Etienne has outperformed him every way in every way. But Robinson, you know, I mean, he's had his moments too this season where he's looked nice. So I want to give him some credit um, for being a guy that's undrafted, went through the Achilles injury and to still be battling through it. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I hope for, you know, all the exposure that I have with ETN, nothing personally against James Robinson, that this is all ETN all the way. There's also a very competitive game through the whole thing, you know? So, I mean, this is a game where it was always either, you know, it was, you know, they, they couldn't let up at any point, the Jaguars. So that also plays into being a Travis Etienne type of game, which honestly is, is that's the profile we were looking for. You know, a player that we thought would be on the field if games were closer, if they were trailing. And that's the biggest thing. He has that role for sure. Yeah. So at a minimum, that makes him a low-end RB2, right? Um, just on that alone. But if he's going to also be able to gobble up even more beyond that, then man, the sky's the limit for Travis Etienne, especially if he just continues to get better, which is real, which is what really seems to be the case right now. Every week he's looking a little bit better. Any thoughts if uh, J Rob could be on the trade block? I, you know, we'll see. It's just kind of hard for us to have any idea about it right I, now. I doubt it, just because teams want to have another back. You know, I mean, because the injuries, man. Look at all the backs that are getting hurt. I mean, you got to have a decent backup, and I think J Rob gives you that. Um, and, and the other thing is, like, teams just don't want to trade a lot. You know, and, and they, they're not going to give a lot away, you know, for a running back. Like I, Rams, good luck trading Cam Akers. I, I think you're probably have to just release him. Yeah. You know, I mean, somebody might send a six round pick. You know, I guess that's better than nothing. Um, but I don't think the Jaguars are going to be in a scenario where they want to give away someone like James Robinson for a sixth or a fifth round pick. I think they'd rather just keep him on the roster. And if something happens to the ETN, they know they at least have someone that they can trust. I get it. You, you've been able to trust Robinson a little bit more in these past weeks. What we say, though, when ETM wasn't doing well to start the year, don't overly panic because yeah. even if Robinson isn't someone that we can start right now, I don't think Jermichael Hasty would be a guy at all if either of these running backs go down. If something okay. happens to ETN or something happens to Robinson, the other guy is going to be you know an 80% plus snap back. So try to keep James Robinson on those rosters as much as possible because he is one of these handcuffed running backs now at this point, just like ETM was when Robinson looked like the starter, where you know they're going to be in that legit every single week RB1 conversation just one injury away, not two or three like some of these other backfields. Washington Commanders took down the Green Bay Packers 23-21, covering, obviously, as four-point dogs under, I'm sorry, the overcash at 41 and a half. Terry McLaurin game, man. Terry McLaurin has the best, like, four, five catch, 60, 70-yard games of, like, any wide receiver in the mm-hmm. league. He did score a touchdown, and so much of it came in Jair Alexander's uh, direct coverage. So it looked like they were moving Jair more around with Terry. Um, I didn't get the exact, you know, I usually find out on Tuesday from our lovely back MPFF folks, you know, exactly who was being shadowed out there at over a 50% clip. But Jair is someone that, you know, I say it every single week in my shadow article, has not shadowed since week seven. 2020 they used to do it earlier in his career i think amari cooper going for like 250 on him uh, back a couple years ago probably didn't help that you know initial thought process with it so he sticks to his side of the field most of the time but hey wherever he was terry mclaurin found a way to put up yards on him out there so that was a lot of fun Dwayne, and just good to see i think from an offense that again has been so inconsistent this year didn't exactly see Taylor Heineke, you know, stabilize everything. He had a week high five turnover worthy plays. I say that now too. I might have beat that mark, you know, with the Sunday night performance. But when I looked it up, Taylor Heineke had the most turnover worthy plays. Actually had a lower average target depth than Carson Wentz. I watched 
I watch uh, Taylor Heineke, Dwayne, and it just seems like he believes that he truly believes he can make every throw out there on the field, even though we've kind of seen his physical limitations at this point, uh, you know, don't necessarily make that possible. But hey, he went out there got them to W and we didn't even see him bring that rushing upside the table, which actually makes him fantasy viable. And I believe last year got him five top 12 finishes throughout the year. So confident enough in the Heineke experience to get Terry McLaurin back into, you know, that weekly low end wide receiver two conversation. I'm probably not. Uh, yeah, probably not. I, I mean, it is tough because in this game script, they just led the Packers, you know, for a good portion of the game. So they only had to drop back to pass 49% of the time they chose to run the ball 51%. So it's hard to get a really good read. You know, they they had the game script go the way they wanted. They wanted to have a game manager kind of game, got the running game going, got the ball to Brian Robinson, got Antonio Gibson going a little bit on the ground. You know, they had 31 rushing attempts between the two of them. So Curtis um, got five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Curtis Samuel had five as well. And then um, J.D. McKissick had one. And then the Heineke had a couple. So, yeah, it was it was a heavy run, you know, you know, centered game plan you know because they were leading so it just makes it tough um but that also you know you could make an argument that well then heineke you know if he only threw for like 200 yards today and they hardly threw it but i think that's what they would like right with heineke they would rather manage the game win with efficiency through the air but it is the commanders like i I don't know that the commanders can really lead anyone besides maybe the packers (laughs) you know i don't i don't know how much this offense can do but it, it was nice. Like he and Terry, you know, seem to have a little bit more of a connection than what he, than Terry McLaurin and Carson Wentz had. So let's, that's a positive. Terry McLaurin's a really good receiver. Like nothing's changed. It's just like Elijah Moore is probably still a good receiver. You know, we know DJ Moore is still a good receiver. Sometimes these circumstances are just a lot to overcome. Like you mentioned it last week, like people doing victory laps about, uh, oh, just draft the talent. Well, we've got just as many stories where, oh, hell, I drafted the talent. It sucks. You know, because the situation is so bad, like there were really, you know, we had different players come down on different sides of that argument. You know, you could have used the logic appropriately on one player. And if you applied it to the next, you were wrong. And so it's it's sometimes, you know, these things, you know, there's luck involved with fantasy football because we can't predict everything. We try to do as good as we can with the data that we have. But Terry McLaurin, at the end of the day, like he's still a really good player. You know, so it was nice to see him get his 26% target share. Curtis Samuel also had a 26% target share. Samuel's not popping for the big plays or anything. Um, but like every week he's like giving you 12 to 15 points. Like, you know what you're getting. And so if some of the big plays could start to come, that could open things up for him. You know, of course we did not have Jahan Dotson today. We didn't have Diami Brown. They were both out. You also didn't have uh, Logan Thomas today. So this was a really consolidated passing attack that probably also helped out Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I think John Bates was out too, and then their third string tight end. Cole Bates Turner. played. Bates okay, played. Play. It was a rotation with the tight ends today. Armani Rogers led the way. Then it was Cole Turner. Then it was John Bates. Cole Turner got concussed. So yeah, they're having all sorts of ish- injury issues now. Oh, he got a concussion today. Okay, he did yeah. At one point. So, okay. uh, only other thing to talk about is this backfield. Brian Robinson did get twenty carries and led the way, but it's still three backs. Forty-seven percent snaps for Brian Robinson. Thirty-nine percent for Antonio Gibson, who low key has been looking very explosive and good in the passing game, really throughout most of this season. And JD McKissick just seventeen percent snaps because they weren't in a situation, surprisingly, where they had to you know worry about coming back uh from behind so brian robinson Dwayne, look he can get he's 
kind of like Jamal Williams. Like he's going to give you 15 to 20 yeah. carries in a lot of these weeks, but we're going to look up at the snaps and he's not going to be over 50% sometimes, which surprises us. And it's an offense that not expecting a lot of consistent scoring from. So that's fine to have on your team, but I do think a little bit of Brian Robinson has great of a comeback story as it is that his, you know, actual productivity is getting a little bit inflated, especially if Antonio Gibson keeps arguably outplaying him with his touches. So Brian Robinson's fine, but he's two injuries away from being an RB one, not one. Yeah. I mean, he's gonna give you 13 to 15 rushing attempts per game. And if you have a game like this where you get the lead and game script swings in your favor, that turns into 21. You know, if you have a game skip script where you're getting your ass kicked, that turns into 11. I mean, that's what it is. It's going to be somewhere in that middle typically, but depending on what happens with the game script, you know, you got a range of like 11, 12 to 20 carries. And, you know, typically you're probably going to be somewhere in the middle of that. And so if you know that and you can handle that in a standard league, that's fine. Like in standard league, like if you're just doing your projections, you guys know if you've ever done projections like that, that'll send a, a running back really high. I always, I always crack up when I look at my stuff and I'm like, damn, Brian Robinson's like, you know, like your 40th player over in standard. Then you look at PPR and you're like, he's like 90. You know, I mean, it's just a huge difference between the two formats. So um, just pay attention, you know, to which one you're in. Uh, if you're in a half PPR, like you're somewhere in the middle of that. But Antonio Gibson did look good. But he's still the guy that's, that's getting squeezed big time. Um, so and he's a guy that you're probably looking normally at five carries. It turned into 10 today for him. So and then he gets squeezed whenever they're trailing because McKissick gets more of his work. Ro- Robinson is the one that actually has the most stable job. We know that he's going to get the majority of the rushing attempts. On the Green Bay side of things, just again, you keep same thing with the Buccaneers. We keep expecting them just to snap out of this finally. But here we are really, man, going out into week eight. And this offense has continued to look not even average, mediocre to bad more weeks than not out there. Luckily, we did finally get Aaron Jones taking over that pass down role that he should have really had all season long, but was splitting things a lot more with A.J. Dillon. Going into this game, Aaron Jones had 23 targets and A.J. Dillon had 20 in this one, though. It was Aaron Jones leading the way, 76 percent snaps eight carries and 10 targets Dylan just 28 percent snaps four carries and no targets Dwayne did we see in the back end utilization like more pass down work specifically two minute stuff for Aaron Jones because we were trending this way in weeks really one through five and then last week it kind of took a step back and it went back to this 50 50 situation but we did see Jones give them the most juice I mean the touchdown catch he had was just fantastic and he's been a great rusher all season long I mean even on this game eight carries for 23 yards uh when I look Looked after just the first round of 1 p.m. slates. He had a week high six missed tackles force just on the carries. So Aaron Jones has been their best offensive player all season long. If he can get that 76% snap rate, okay, we're back in the uh, RB1 conversation there. How confident are you that this is going to persist and not just go back to more of the 50-50 split? Well, we talked about this last week. It's just going to be hard to really be super confident until you see multiple weeks of this. Like you could easily flip back next next week. Aaron Jones makes the most sense. He should be on the field on passing downs, like no doubt about it. We've talked about it. You know, we talked about it last week. Aaron Jones is the best playmaker on this team, probably the best playmaker in the passing game. And guess what? They used him this week. He had a 31% target share, 40% targets per route run, 71% route participation. Um, That's elite. That's up there in the very top notch, you know, guys like Alvin Kamara, CMC. If he gets that and that continues, he's going to be an RB1. Right. I just can't tell you for sure that it's going to. I think a lot of this, again, comes back to game script. You had the Packers dropping back to pass 76 percent of their play calls. That's norm- not normally what they want to do. They really want to be if we're going back to the old Madden playbook. They want to say ah, balance, pass balance. Mm-hmm. Right. 
you know, uh, in some games, if they can be run balanced, they don't really want to be pass heavy, nor should they. They don't they don't have the weapons to be pass heavy. They have the quarterback, but they don't have the wide receivers to be a pass heavy team. So I think some of it will still come back to game script. I think you're still going to have situations where we're going to look up and be like, well, crap, man. Aaron Jones was only out there. You know, he only got 50 percent of the rushing attempts today. Whereas, you know, this weekend he got 69% and A.J. Dillon only got 31%. But with the Packers looking so bad, man, A.J. Dillon, which I've been below consensus on A.J. Dillon in my rankings since week one. Um, I, You know, you and I talked about it. We liked A.J. Dillon, but I just thought he got out of hand, you know, in draft season. When people, like, by the end of draft season, people were taking him in round four. I just thought people were losing their damn minds. And so it's just kind of all, this is the way it's playing out. A.J. Dillon, yes, he can catch a swing pass if everybody else is covered. But if you're trying to create a passing game around him, you just can't do it. He's not that kind of guy. Aaron Jones is. And so uh, it's just make it would make sense, Ian, for Aaron Jones to be the one that's out there. But I mean, do you feel conviction that we're going to see it again next week? I, I'm just going to keep I'm going to keep Aaron Jones as a mid-range RB2 this week. I'm going to write him up in the utilization report, talk about all the things that we're seeing and like look at the trends over the last four weeks. But I mean, maybe, maybe I'll move him up to like low end RB2. I hate just moving these guys around though, just to move them. It's like I really want to see a true trend. I probably need one more data point to really feel that good about it. But uh, what it does show you, we know the ceiling's there for Aaron Jones. I just, I don't know if I trust the coaching staff. I mean, what are your thoughts? It's one of those things where, okay, maybe he's going to be RB13 instead of RB15. I think I had him there this week. But look, we're starting, you're starting him. Jones, so. If you got him on I, your roster, you're starting him. So that's, I mean, I, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have that same sort of feeling with anyone else on this Packers offense. No. De- definitely not AJ. AJ Dillon is like what we said about James Robinson. Do not cut the man because he is one injury to Aaron Jones away from having a true every beast. down role and just being an absolute beast. But for now, you can't start him. In the wide receiver room, we did have Alan Lazard suffer a shoulder injury. He was on his way to a pretty nice performance before that happened. And beyond that, Sammy Watkins was back. Amari Rogers was starting to get going, but was fumbling and then also had a potential 50-yard pass go off his hands. Romeo Dobbs, unfortunately, goose-egged on four. He had a rough day. 44.5 PFF receiving grade. Uh, I, I I saw some drops. Look, drops aren't sticky. Look, he's a young player, but he had a rough one. He had a rough outing today. Did, was his route participation still yeah, he's up fine. there? Yeah, 90, okay. 93% led the team, 13% target share. It just wasn't where it was in his day. You know, sometimes we all have bad days. Uh, Romeo had a bad day. Romeo Dobbs had a bad day. So keep an eye out on that Lazard shoulder injury. Again, Dwayne, I still think there's anyone really in this offense receiver room. Like, okay, Sammy Watkins will probably have his name on some waiver wire articles. And if you need, you know, wide receiver five type, then okay, go for it. But the only other guy I'd be somewhat interested in is Robert Tunyon coming off of season high marks in his route rate last week. What did he have out there? Was that 71% route participation? That's yeah, two I was straight bring weeks. Him. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's two straight weeks. So it's not the 80% that we want, but it's good enough, you know? So, I mean, he's, he's functional at this point. He only had 5.6 uh, fantasy points today, four targets, three receptions, 26 yards, but like, you know, I, high end tied into, right. Is probably, you know, that's, that's typically the range you're going to put someone that has the, you know, utilization profile that we're seeing from Robert Tunyon right now. Tunyon. <laughs> hear that Ian? Tunyon, hey, you, finally, you finally trained me. 
I've, I've, I've been a Tunyon devotee with that pronunciation for years, man. You got tits in your last name. You would think it would teach you to like <laughs> pronounce people's last names better. I nailed a uh, Amani Aruwarie a couple times too. Just did it again. Look at me. All right. Final 1 PM game to go over here. The Ravens took down the Browns 23 to 20 Browns. did cover a six and a half point dogs. The under cash at 46 and a half. So this is now the fourth straight game from Lamar Jackson, man, where it just hasn't looked all that good. He had the 12 or might be even more than that total touchdowns the first three weeks you know i was saying la mvp all this and i saw you know great articles being written just about him having just more on his plate really than ever i think uh it was steven ruiz over at the ringer or taking like a kevin cole stat just you know all these great minds meshing but i think it was like 81 percent of the ravens total offense was going through lamar jackson in those first three weeks of the season just hasn't been that good over these past few weeks so he still has 59 rushing yards you know we have mark andrews open down the seam he kind of got held it could have been a touchdown for about 20 yards otherwise but yeah andrews goose egg rashad bateman just four catches 42 yards the backfield did trend towards gus edwards at least in terms of carries but then you look at the snaps and you see that he did only have a 37% lead. Justice Hill, 32%. Kenyon Drake, 25%. Just it's the grossest thing ever when you can't even have one running back over a 40% snap rate. That was the case here. So Gus found the end zone a couple times, Dwayne. And if we can get 15 carries in this offense, then I will feel good about Gus being in that RB3 conversation. But man, we're starting Lamar Jackson no matter what. It just sucks that, and, and Mark Andrews, you know, goose egg aside, obviously, but it sucks that out of this backfield and then like with Bateman and Duvernay we just don't really have anyone other than Lamar and Andrews to really hang our hat on or maybe you are confident that Gus Edwards only his first game back from injury so it makes sense that that snap rate does go up do you think Gus could all of a sudden be someone knocking on that RB2 door I mean I think it could go up this team has shown us you know that they really want to use a committee and it's not like any of these guys are superstars we like Gus Edwards you know and so look yes it could happen but do you think, do we really think he's another player coming off a knee injury, even if they thought he was just totally outperforming the other guys, at least not in the next few weeks? I don't see him getting 50, 60% of the rushing attempts. And and look, here's the problem. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, averages 27% of the design rushing attempts every week. He was below that this week. That's a huge chunk, man. When 30% is gone immediately to the run to the quarterback, and this is a team that hasn't been running as much, they got to today. They only dropped back to pass on 34% of their plays today. So they had a lead. They were live, you know, they were not comfortable. Like the game stayed close, but they never felt like they really had to try to, you know, push it and pass the ball a ton. And so I think that worked in their favor today. And so that is what boosted Gus Edwards, not the fact that he was taking over the backfield, his 38 percentage, you know, he had 38% of the rushing attempts, but on a game where, you know, they're, they're running the ball all the time that turns into 16 rushing attempts and a typical game. That's like nine. That's like 10, like the season high. I believe I'd have to go back and look. I was just looking at the, cause I wrote about it last week, the season high, for any Ravens running back coming into this game and rushing attempts was 13. So Gus Edwards beat that straight out of the gate, but you had 11 to Kenyon Drake, right? So that was only two below, you know, like the week four high that we had seen from J.K. Dobbins. The game script worked out perfectly. And so I think it's going to continue to be a split. You're going to see Gus Edwards more around 10 to 11 carries. You're going to see Kenyon Drake around six to seven, and you're still going to have Justice Hill involved. Justice Hill's going to handle most of the passing down work. I do think over several weeks we could see Gus edge away a little bit. And I do think he's the best. He's the looks like the better player 
right of all these guys and he's also the best compliment with lamar right yeah. you know because he's a guy lamar is much more like if you're looking at the two together right he's the lightning and then mm -hmm. gus is the guy that will just pound you straight in the face these other two guys can't do that and so i do like that fact about gus edwards i do think that's going to give him an opportunity to score more touchdowns all those sort of things he had 43 percent of the short down and distance work today 29 percent to justice hill zero percent to Kenyon drake um so yeah i, I like gus but again, this is kind of back to like what we talked about with Washington earlier. They got to run the ball so much, it infl it made it made that you know Brian Robinson's carries. You know that's what gave him twenty one. The same thing happened here for the Ravens today. I will say on Rashad Bateman out there seventy three percent route participation, so not quite where we want him, but that's kind of where he's been. Devin Duvernay managed to stay out there for seventy seven percent, so he was actually the wide receiver one from just a pure route standpoint. But 38% target share today for Rashad Bateman. Didn't end up turning into a lot in the box score. He only had 8.2 PPR points. He had five targets, four receptions, 42 yards. But still a positive thing, you know, to see him come out and demand that kind of target share, especially coming off the foot injury. So I think that's a positive sign for Rashad Bateman. He almost scored a touchdown, too. He got a little screen yeah. from the five and just got tackled one yard short of the goal line. So all good points with Gus. And I even wrote down as you were talking, like Jamal, Brian Robinson. We were, it's hey, it's a three running back committee with the league guy not getting pass down work. But, hey, I'll take the Ravens offense over uh, this banged up edition of the Lions and definitely the usual edition of Washington. So not Gus Slander at all, people. I drafted so much Gus in uh, best ball this year before I really actually – I, I should have realized kind of the extent of his knee injury before I was doing that. We were having some of those conversations in June, Dwayne. Yep. We're just like, you know, maybe should have kept a little better track of this, and we certainly will <laughs> next year. But, yeah, just in terms of averaging at least five yards for carry, you know, I think with over 100 rush attempts in each of your first three career seasons, Jamal Charles, Gus Edwards, Nick Chubb, D'Angelo Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Brandon Jacobs, and Tiki Barber, only guys to do that, I believe, in the last 25 years. So Gus Edwards on a list with a lot of great running backs. Maybe he's also a pretty damn good running back in his own right. I know J.K. Dobbins averaged six yards per carry, and he's a great man too. But once again, always illegal in the year 2022 to have more than one really <laughs> good running back on the squad. Only other note for the Ravens is uh, Lamar almost had a passing touchdown at the goal line to not Andrews, Josh Oliver. Unfortunately, it got knocked out after having both hands on it. I would say it was a drop. On the Cleveland Browns side of things, Jacoby Brissett had a nice-ish bounce-back performance, had some nice nails throws at the end. I mean, he actually did throw a 30-yard touchdown to Amari Cooper that unfortunately got negated because of offensive pass interference. So, you see him go out there and make a couple nice downfield throws. You know, he's certainly someone that's not just going to check his way down the field. I think that's been a big problem for Kareem Hunt this year. We aren't getting the checkdowns. Jacoby's kind of got that Jimmy G in him where you might not like the result, but you got to give the man uh, some respect sometimes for being willing to throw the ball over the middle or downfield. But with that said, we have really seen this Browns offense start to merge back to being more of a below average unit than what they were looking like the first three, four weeks of the year when they were actually a top 10 scoring offense so they did lose David Njoku to an ankle injury although Adam Schefter said it isn't serious you know he was walking in a walking boot and using crutches after the game so it's just funny how that's like not he serious, was on the verge but... of a freaking monster game yeah. he, he had a, he still finished with a 29% target share and he was only out there half the routes like the dude was like it was he was going off today he had seven targets seven receptions for 71 <laughs> You, you were probably getting over 100 yards and maybe could have squeezed out a touchdown with Njoku. He was feeling it today. So, man, I really hope that he's okay um, because this guy, like, finally everything was starting to click for him in his career. Like, you know, he's he's just barely on the outside looking in, right, of being inside that top six tight end group. 
And like this performance might have put him, you know, right there where we just had to finally draw a new line in the tier where we're like, okay, fine. Like David and Joku, we're going to put you right here under Dallas Goddard. And we're going to draw a new line under the tier. Like that was probably happening after today's game. So hopefully it's not the dreaded high ankle. When you hear the walk, when you hear walking boot and you hear ankle, unless it's like Tyreek Hill, then he like he just immediately like gets in like a hyperbaric chamber or something and just, you know, he's <laughs> fine like two days later. Um, that definitely worries you. So what I would say Harrison Bryant, like if you're in a situation where, uh, you know, the waiver wire is pretty picked over Harrison Bryant, we've, he's shown us a couple times in the past, yep. Ian, like that he can come through for you. So you definitely don't want to drop in Joku, but it's, it's a situation where you can actually go to the backup because Bryant has been a good player and most people in your league are not going to mess with Harrison Bryant. So you can probably get him for next to nothing, uh, or you don't have to worry about using your top waiver wire claim to get him. Unless you're in a league with Evan Silva and he finds out that a mother uh, yeah, 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 Mackie yeah. winner. <laughs> yeah, so if you're in a league with Evan, disregard what I just said. <laughs> Love you, Evan. Yeah, Harrison Bryant, again, it was it's one of the reasons why Austin Hooper wasn't able to really make that great of a use out of his big contract because you had Najoku and Harrison Bryant deservedly uh, getting some rep as well. So I had the same thought when Najoku as he was doing that. I mean, I have at least three teams where I have to, you know, I have been painstakingly deciding between Najoku versus Kyle Pitts every single week. But I, I think after seeing what we've seen from Najoku this year, and I was talking about it, you know, on our uh, preview edition of the podcast, just really most efficiency stats, man, it's Kelsey Andrews and then David Najoku right yep. behind him. So it's right now, man, I, 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 I'm with you behind yeah, Dallas. I, I moved him past pits like three weeks yep. ago like he's just yeah well he's you're, right you're, there you're smart man fuck well, I <laughs> way. it's just like it, i was just it was that was more to do with arthur smith than kyle pitts you know himself <laughs> i hear so. you i hear you so i it, it is one of those things where harrison bryant yeah he will be definitely in that you know upside i, I think of it kind of like when it goes from like darren waller to foster moreau but hey this yes, is a guy exactly. that's gonna be in that exactly. role you can feel good about it don't just cross the name out and put him back in there uh god was like week eight last year or something people were just Get a little bit carried away with it, but Harrison Bryant, again, a former Mackey Award winner, someone that you should be looking at on those waiver wires. Amari Cooper had a nice 55-yard catch. Again, almost had over 100 with a touchdown. Just unfortunately had to, you know, push off on defender, which would he have caught it if he didn't? Probably not. So definitely a part of it. But unfortunately, Dwayne, we did see another week of Kareem Hunt. Just not getting that many chances to touch the football. He did find his way into the end zone on a short rushing touchdown to somewhat salvage the day, but just six overall touches. And the problem with Kareem, like these other disappointing guys, Robinson, AJ Dillon, like we're not cutting him because that worst Kareem Hunt is one of the highest upside handcuffs in all fantasy football. But I think my issue, Dwayne, and what's going to really force me to start probably picking the other guy in a lot of close start sick questions with Kareem Hunt, like this game, they weren't losing by all that much. I mean, by the end of the third quarter, a halftime, it was 13, 10 Ravens at the end of the third quarter, it was 20 to 13. So like Nick Chubb was able to really stay in and get his uses on the ground. But we saw this last week in a game where they were really getting killed. And all of a sudden Kareem Hunt still, even in that game script, wasn't actually getting all those, you know, comeback mode targets and stuff that are supposed to be making his day. So at this point, Kareem Hunt to kind of meet his fantasy value, he just needs to be extremely efficient on 10 to 15 combined carries and targets in an offense as honestly trending downwards a bit. So Kareem Hunt, it's just one of those things where he's consistently been a low end RB two during the first three years of his career with the Browns moving forward though, you know, not notwithstanding some of the tricks that bye weeks can play on our rankings, Kareem Hunt to me seems like way more of a mid tier, even low end RB three moving forward. Just again, which I don't know what his outs are unless Chubb gets hurt. Yeah. 
His role's the same. His role's the same as it was last year. It's the same as it was the year before. So I, I don't know if he's just not playing as well. Like his efficiency numbers are down. So, I mean, he, I, we do know that he's not playing as well. The question is, is it long-term? Like today, like he got tackled behind the line of scrimmage twice. He couldn't even help it. You know, oh, like yeah. if you saw those back two back plays, plays, like that was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like he, and there's nothing there. If you guys were watching it, there was nothing Kareem Hunt could do about that. Like he just, you know, the linebacker shot the gap. As soon as he had the ball, he was already being tackled at the handoff, basically. And so you can't really put that on Kareem Hunt. His touchdown run was a tough run, you know, kind of that vintage Kareem Hunt. He had another uh, reception, you know, where he, you know, uh, made a guy miss and then put his head down and ran past a guy as well. So I don't know. It's, uh, I, I agree. I, I'm not going to move him down to low end RB3. I'm going to leave him where I've got him probably high end RB3 just because I don't, I don't think he's completely lost like his fastball or anything. But the, the biggest problem is you mentioned it earlier. Like he's not getting the targets. Like on pace for just, he's only on pace for 41 this year. Yeah, that's what's killing him. He's still out there long down and distance, 100% of the snaps. Two-minute offense, 76% of the snaps. Inside the 10-yard line, every week, dude, he outsnaps Nick Chubb. So he's out there for the high-leverage stuff inside the 10-yard line. Those are all the things that we've seen from him in the past. He's just not getting as many opportunities. But maybe if you have a situation where Njoku's out, like that could potentially free up a little bit more for Kareem Hunt. You know, we, we did see Donovan Peoples-Jones get a little more involved this week, but typically he is much more of a down-the-field guy. It's really the running backs are often competing for targets with, um, you know, the tight ends. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on. That might help Hunt out, Hunt out a little bit because really over the last several years, you know, with the Browns offense, like the tight ends haven't been doing much. And so Kareem Hunt was. They also did not have this freaking dude named Amari Cooper. So Amari is a magnet, man. Amari, like today, didn't have a huge target share. But, I mean, the dude's, like, been over 10 targets four or five times, four times already this season. Um, so that's something that Kareem Hunt didn't have to deal with in the past. There wasn't a, a necessarily someone that could demand that those kind of looks in the offense. So I think that's – those the, the season Njoku's having, how well Amari Cooper's playing and the targets he's getting, that's what's, you know, basically taking away from Kareem Hunt. And again, I I, di- I didn't mention the one backbreaker with Jacoby's performance, but five sacks, he fumbled twice. The, yeah. the one issue is not, I see a little bit of Geno Smith too. And obviously Geno's playing far better than Jacoby throughout this year. But Dude, Jacoby's man. playing way better than I ever thought he would. He and Geno both. Yes. I have to give them both credit. Again, like I'm not trying to make this a Jacoby versus Geno argument. They have been playing, yeah. but they'll have these stretches where they're playing really well. And then all of a sudden it's like, you just don't see the blindside defender coming. And like, I, it's... Hey, Jacoby also both makes- throwing the ball with extreme confidence. Um, both have some issues as far as pocket awareness. Now it's not Zach Wilson bad, like you know, just turn around and running into the nearest defender, like <laughs> scrambling straight to them. Zach but Wilson's he, a winner, though, Dwayne. He's a winner. Yeah, he's a winner. Uh, he's <laughs> they need to convert him to Taysom Hill. But um, yeah, Jacoby, man, has just impressed me though that with like the the confidence and the accuracy. Like, I mean, he, what he's done for Amari Cooper, like they are just, they are in complete sync. Jacoby Brissett, I think will be playing football for the next 10 years. He's going to be a top 35 quarterback in the league for a long time. Continues to do just that. Before we get into the four o'clock games, just want to pay a few bills via some ad reads. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Guys, your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. 
Oh my goodness. You can make every play feel as exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers right now. New customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays and to make things even sweeter. You can throw down stepped up same game parlays once per game all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code PFF. Note that minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Also got to always give a lovely shout out to our sponsors over at Sleeper Fantasy, my favorite place to play season-long football, even when by zero RB team gets hurt with injuries and I'm starting losing to our PFF producers out there. So humbling experiences like that aside, love everything that Sleeper does and you know, really been lauding them all throughout the offseason with their customizable rules. My biggest beef with fantasy football is that just one catch 40 yards downfield is the same as Jimmy G flipping at six inches to Debo and sleeper even has like some tiered average target depth sort of ways to help adjust that and help get the most out of the league. But with sleeper always have a small little segment. And today we got to look at, you know, top waiver wire fill-ins for Monday night football and guys with this Patriots wide receiver room, Kendrick Bourne, a mix of hurt slash maybe being traded. We know Jacoby Myers is the guy and probably already starting uh, in a plenty of, you know, 12 team leagues at a minimum, but Taekwondo, Thornton and Devontae Parker in this condensed three wide receiver set against a Bears defense that's just been pretty bad all season long especially against the run. But with Thornton and to a lesser extent, Parker, we are looking at guys that have that big play potential. So hopefully, you know, you have better options for yourself Monday night, but God forbid something happens in the meantime, don't be afraid to ride with the impressive rookie Thornton or the, I still maintain good at football. Devontae Parker wasn't that long ago here in the season that he had a nice little 150 yard gain for himself. Speaking of Mr. Zach Wilson, Dwayne, another win. Zach WWW Wilson, four in a row. Jets 16, Broncos nine. Jets covering as two and a half point favorites under 37. So look, I guys, I'm kidding. I see how bad Zach Wilson looks out there. And I it's it's like instead of no, 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 like yes, throws, it's no, no. Oh my god, no. Are you kidding me? Type of throws out there sometimes. But it's just it's fun, man. Probably not for Jets fans, probably not for his receivers, but I enjoy watching a player have every single person like just throw it away and he decides to throw it 20 yards over the middle because that's just what Zach Wilson does and it's how he plays football. So all that aside, unfortunately, when he's going to be playing football like that, we aren't going to have many viable receivers, even in a game where Elijah Moore wasn't in the picture. Garrett Wilson, just five targets. Corey Davis freaking got hurt with an MCL sprain. I mean, Dwayne, if Elijah Moore, which I don't, it didn't doesn't seem to me like it's going to be a long. Who knows? Actually, we'll we'll see what happens when Elijah Moore is back. Let's say he is out another week. Let's say Corey Davis misses some time with this MCL sprain. Garrett Wilson, like still, even if you take these guys out of the picture with Zach Wilson under center, I mean, he'd definitely be a wide receiver three, but I can't guarantee top 30 as we're saying this right now. Yeah, I mean, he becomes like DJ Moore. Yeah. You know, that's what I wrote down. Um, You know, a big part of the utilization report tomorrow will be kind of this check-in at the team macro level. Um, You know, there's less player takes this week. There's some, like I've got, you know, like 30 written down already, but like there's some major macro stuff with these teams. And with the Jets, we've seen enough now with with Zach Wilson to know that this is basically you're dealing with Carolina. That's what you're dealing with here. Um, This is a very similar situation to that. So even if we get a condensed target tree to Garrett Wilson, and Garrett Wilson's played really well. Like he's led the team in target uh, share. He's led the team in targets per route run. So he's doing his part. He's He's doing what he can do. 
Um, you know, we, we think the earning targets is obviously a huge part, right. Of being a receiver. Like that's the first thing you have to do. And he's done that. The problem is like, you can earn all the damn targets you want. If you can't throw for over 200 yards in a game, yeah. it's just really problematic. And that's just, that's kind of where this offense is. You know, at this point, we had 121 yards passing today from Zach Wilson. So it's really hard, man. Like you have 50% target share and it's going to be hard to score fantasy points in a situation like that. It's yeah. just really tough. And then the sad news here, Brees Hall is uh, believed to have torn his ACL. That is coming from the Jets uh, themselves. Had an electric 62-yard touchdown run. Oh, he wasn't touched. He ran away. He, the amount of angles he erased on that touchdown run, like, my goodness. I know we can always try to break down running backs and say that they're, you know, just a result of their environment or the scheme or the volume. But Brees Hall, whatever you want to say it was, man, he, coming in this week, it was him, McCaffrey, and Saquon, the only running backs that had had every single game be a top 24 finish and his he wasn't even getting this great workload until a couple weeks ago to begin with so he was surpassing all the expectations you know in a year where we've seen Damian Pierce and Kenneth Walker explode on the scene as well and look fantastic as rookies Brees Hall was right there with him if not even better every step of the way particularly with some of the stuff he did as a receiver hate it hate it hate it get better soon Brees Get out there in 2023 and just let this be one down year. And as Dwayne, because we're fantasy people with no freaking hearts or souls, we now need to talk about life without Brees Hall. Michael Carter, next man up. He did go out there and play 75% of the snaps. Ty Johnson was active. Ty Johnson was not involved. And that's what made us really in on Michael Carter before they drafted Brees Hall because we had seen them turn this backfield over to him with that 70% plus role towards the end of last season, even when everyone else had gotten healthy. So it's not a good offense. I think we've kind of drove that point home enough with Zach Wilson. But as good as Brees Hall is, man, Michael Carter is damn good, too. All those efficiency metrics that everyone used to hype up Javante Williams for good reason, Michael Carter was right there with him last year. Literally, I don't know what they were putting in those North Carolina Gatorade coolers. Those were your top two running backs in the NFL last season in terms of just forcing missed tackles per touch. So you can catch the ball. The Jets are willing to treat him as a three-down running back. I'm not saying he's going to be quite as good as Brees Hall. I mean, again, not many running backs in the league rookie status aside have been as good as Brees Hall this year but Michael Carter Dwayne especially with some of these bye weeks he's going to be someone in the top 20 more weeks than not and honestly if we do see the 75 percent persist that's not too far away from RB1 level if this offense can get going a little bit yeah he moves immediately to mid-range RB2 for me that's where I'll be putting him in the utilization report tomorrow based on what we've seen here um, you mentioned all the faults but Brees Hall was, you know, dealing with all those faults too. Now, Michael Carter, yes, he's he's not as good as Brees Hall, but to your point, who really is in the NFL this year? Not very many, only a few. But Michael Carter was really good last year. Uh, I believe Michael Carter is a good player. Uh, it was funny, like how many people just like, yeah, Michael Carter sucks. And I'm like, like God, like you people change your mind so freaking <laughs> fast about people. Like, you know, you know, two months ago, Michael Carter was going to hold back Brees Hall, but now he sucks. You know, it's it's so he's a good player. He's going to get plenty of opportunity and he's insulated a bit, right? Because the passes that he's going to catch are going to come from a, you know, a shorter range. He's going to get the guaranteed touches on the ground. Um, you know, if the jets can manage to play defense, like the way they have, you know, and keep running the ball, he's going to be the primary beneficiary. You know, we could see he's a guy that could easily Ian. we could look up and be like, yeah, every week we're going to project him between 17 and 21 rushing attempts, 16 and 20, somewhere in there. Um, if we think the game script, you know, has any chance of being in hand, right? If not, he's probably going to be still around 15, even in a game where it gets out of hand. And then he's going to get some target. He's going to get some extra targets. 
Um, so yeah, I, I like Michael Carter. The overall upside of the offense is not real good. Like we talked about with the receivers for Zach Wilson, but a little bit more insulated at running back, you know, cause he doesn't, you know, Zach Wilson doesn't have to throw the ball as far and he can just hand it to you. So that helps you. Speaking of bad offenses, the Denver Broncos with nine points in this one through seven weeks. Now 30th in EPA per play dead. I'm sorry, they're 31st in PFF team offense. The Jets are actually last in that one. 30th in team passing, 30th in team receiving, 28th in rushing. Shout out to the big uglies up front, though. Top 10 O-line and pass blocking and run blocking. So it's just been so depressing at every level of this team. From the And I know Russ was out this week with the hamstring. Nathaniel Hackett did say he's trending towards playing next week. But even when Russ was out there, the run game has been pitiful ever since Javante got hurt. And these wide receivers, man, it's one of those things where they really are living on a big X, on a big reputation not getting too much going more weeks than not jerry judy did come back today with seven catches for 96 yards greg dolchich did have a nice afternoon at the office actually had nine targets 51 yards didn't just get you know a 40 yard broken play touchdown that had everyone freaking out about on a primetime game but it's just again one of those things Dwayne, where melvin gordon oh he's the starter things are great 52 percent snaps 11 carries latavius murray right there with 37 percent and eight carries and that's in a game where mike boone got hurt and you know got the uh, angle so we're almost at that point with Melvin where it's like turning into LaVisca from last year where it's like, hey, Devontae, Mike Boone, Latavius Murray, they'll sign Devontae Freeman. We need him to get hurt. Le'Veon Bell stops his boxing career. He comes to Denver. He gets hurt. All those guys get hurt. Maybe something can work out for Melvin Gordon. But again, this is the dead last scoring offense in the NFL. That's not going to change after this week. They've scored more than 16 points, I believe, one time this entire season. If, even getting Russ back, Dwayne. Anyway, like Cortland Sun at this point, I, I don't think he can be a top 24 receiver. It sucks, but man, it's, this is so terrible. We're talking dead last. This was supposed to be one of the best offenses in the league. I could deal with average. This is not even close to average. Are they going to turn around, man? Because I don't have much reason to think that they will. Yeah, I don't have much reason either. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the, the, the only thing we can lean into is that Russ has been a good quarterback for a long time, you know? Um, he didn't just, you know, he's playing terrible this year, but at least, you know, there is a track record and maybe, maybe he can snap out of it. Um, I, I don't think we can completely rule that out, right? You just can't, you can't rule that out for a player that has had the career that Russ Wilson's had. Yeah. Now you could make the argument that he's washed, that it's done, that it's over. And that's fine. That's, that's an argument as well, but you can't completely dismiss it. And that, that's the only thing you can hope for. Cause you know, you know, for sure, it's not going to get fixed by the damn coaching staff. <laughs> this is a damn joke. Like this is like just like a comedy of freaking errors. Like it's just terrible. Um, you can't touch these running backs. Um, it, it's going to be a three-way committee if if Mike Boone is healthy, yeah. and they may find someone else to mix in. Yeah, Melvin was the lead, fifty-one percent of the snaps. But to your point, like the touches were really close right. between the two. Melvin did get hundred percent of the two-minute offense, uh, most of the long down and distance work. But the short down and distance work, Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray came in and sniped that, and he got 100% of the work inside the 10-yard line, which was probably like half a carry because, like, the, are the Broncos ever inside the 10? Like, I look at this. Let me pop this open. Two. They had two, so whatever. He was out there for 100% of two. Uh, <laughs> played inside the 10. So, yeah, man, it's a mess. Like, I'm, I do like Dulcich, you know, to your point. I mean, a young, a young tight end like this started demanding a 20% of the target share, 26% of the target for route run, 72% routes uh, per drag, um, you know, route participation. Again, you got the you know the anchor around your neck, the anvil around your neck of the Denver Broncos offense. But like, you start to find young tight ends breaking out this soon. And, you know, to see him doing what he's doing, 
Um, like you still have to, you still have to take note. He's, he should be on rosters in most leagues. Well, it's good to see him get that route right up there again. Second game back from that hamstring issue that kept him on the pump so long. Did begin with the receiver rookie tight ends doing this, but he really is more of a wide receiver being called tight end. More fantasy points count the same as when has had to remind me over the years. You know, I can't just be mad about that. We got to take advantage of it sometimes during fantasy matches. Just ignore positional designations, but whatever. Uh, only two shoes in this one. KJ Handler was open on the sideline for potential 340 yard play. Uh, Ripian, who was more times than not, as you can see with that sub 50%, I'm sorry, almost sub 50% completion rate. 4.9 yards per attempt. Uh, stat launch right there. And also, Colton Sutton at the end had a great uh, broadcast line. We got lost in the sauce there. Pretty handsy, I will say. You know, a lot of the you know, play, but when he does four down situations and both guys are going back and forth, I think the no call either way. The ball was there to be one you would like to see Sutton so maybe go out there and get it. But last, there were nine uh, comments uh, that uh, I was jacked. Uh oh. Now, are we good? Everyone, except for audio fix, doesn't sound good. Yeah, I don't know. We need to pop out and start a new one to finish. Let's see what's going lovely. She internet, shoddy internet in Chicago. Yeah, it could be. Shit. Yeah, I was seeing when I saw it first start. Um, my internet is looking okay right now. Dwayne, how about you hold it down first? I don't know if I can pop out. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Just give me an update. Jesus. Yeah, no, if you want to pop up from it and like I can I can go on this uh, next game it's, and start walking through it and come back yeah. in or do you want to restart? Uh go out. Fuck. All right, I'll be back. You stay in. All right, see if you can pop out. I'll keep going. All right, cool. All right, so yeah, let's talk about the Raiders. We got the uh, Raiders and the Texans. The Raiders won this game 38 to 20 over the Texans. Uh, Vegas did cover. Uh, they were seven-point favorites in the game. The over hit at 45.5. So looking at the Raiders today, Josh Jacobs continued to smash, do everything that we thought he was going to do. If you drafted Josh Jacobs and you got him around seven or eight, like you are, you're you're probably winning most of your matchups out there for 74% of the rushing attempts this weekend, 100% of the work inside the 10. And he continues to get work in the passing game. We did see some of that go to Amir Abdullah. He saw 88% of the long down and distance work for this week. Um, One thing I would say on the Raiders running backs, like if you're in a really deep league, Zamir White is a name I would definitely remember just because we've actually seen that Josh McDaniels is willing to really give the workload to one back. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to do that with Zamir White, but we've at least seen it's in the range of outcomes where we thought that that was something that would never happen before. We all thought, oh, no, Josh Jacobs, he's in the Josh McDaniels offense. All the beat reporters, everyone said this was going to continue to be a committee. Zamir White is a very clear handcuff to Josh Jacobs. So something for you folks playing in deeper leagues, like I, he might be one of these guys we should be considering as the higher end range of outcomes as far as what we could see from a handcuff standpoint. The only other thing that I saw from a utilization standpoint um, for the Raiders I just continue to it's it's problematic for Hunter Renfro um, only out there 72 percent of the routes we have historically seen in the Josh McDaniels offense. The slot receiver is out there 85, 95 percent of the time. They keep them on the field. But Mac Collins, like his his arrival is really holding back Hunter Renfro because he's staying on the field in the two wide receiver sets. The Raiders like to use a lot of heavy personnel. They'll go to two tight ends. They use a fullback. 
those scenarios are keeping Hunter Renfro off the field. And that's going to make it really hard for Renfro to score touchdowns or just to catch balls, period. So I am downgrading Hunter Renfro. Um, I had held out hope that it was really just due to the injury, but now seeing him back, seeing the route participation in this game, that was definitely problematic for him. So I don't think we can think of him as anything more than a wide receiver four right now. Uh, and Matt Collins isn't doing a lot. Like he's only seeing a 12% target share, but being out there, that's enough to keep Hunter Renfro off the field on the Texan side of the ball. I was hoping maybe we would get a bump with Damian Pierce in the passing game. Didn't see it, you know, coming out of the bye, it was still all going to Rex Burkhead. And then we had, uh, Dari Agenbawale also Ian's Nailed favorite. It. Nailed <laughs> it. Ian was waiting. He was going to pounce 82% <laughs> of the long down and distance went to him. Uh, and then you had Rex Burkhead. Uh, I don't know. Did Rex Burkhead perhaps get hurt? I didn't see anything on this. It was his last drive. It was his last drive of the game. All, all that okay. Dari production okay. came on the last drive. He's not actually a factor. Okay, cool. So we didn't see the additional word for Pierce, but still 87% of the rushing attempts. He had an 84 PFF rushing grade again today. 20 rushing attempts today for Pierce, 92 yards. So like he's still a guy you're fine. He still had four targets for four receptions, 25 yards. So they're getting the ball to Pierce on the early downs. He is clearly the number one weapon on their team. Like they are getting him more involved than Brandon Cooks. They're getting him more involved than anyone. And you even heard him today, like at halftime, because uh, uh, I can't remember who the sideline reporter was, but the, they were laughing because the nugget she got from the team was, we've got to get Damian Pierce more involved. And she That's was all like, Lovey Smith says. This team is terrible. The organization hasn't really <laughs> made a good move in, what, like a half a decade at this point? And every single time they go Lovey Smith, he's like, well, let's, gotta get let's look Pierce at getting tomorrow. Damian Pierce 20, 30 carries. And, hey, go ahead. He is awesome. And I, I get all well, Let's get him out there and passing downs, Lovey. How about that? We would take that. Like, you that, can actually get us excited with that. <laughs> that would be nice. And it is one of those things, man. Unfortunately, like if Rex got hurt, I just think Dari would probably kind of leave into that role but again 24 combined carries and targets even in a game they lost by 18 i mean if that's like our floor for damian pierce's usage you know not going to be too bad out there and this was kind of the uh more b- bear case for damian pierce is that this is going to be a bad offense not giving him too many scoring opportunities and if they fall behind which we kind of expect it is going to be a potential game scripted off the field situation but hey still fantastic on the year as has been josh jacobs but the difference has been even when they're in these games where they're trailing they don't they're like the honey badger they don't give a shit they're still giving it to damian pierce like he still gets his carries even in these games where they're getting their freaking wheels blown off like he gets his touches it's almost like uh it's really like Derrick Henry, what we have seen over the last couple of years with Derrick Henry, even in the games where we would see them, it would hurt him. Like it still wouldn't be as good for Henry in those games, but they were so dedicated that it was still, it, it would end up being okay for him. And that's what we're getting with Pierce. PFF rushing grade seventh this year, Damian Pierce, Josh Jacobs is second. They are also both top 10 in missed tackles for us and yards after contact per carry. Truly, if you wanted to say, you know, Mount Rushmore of just running back season with the ball in their hands, I do think that Damian Pierce and Josh Jacobs at a minimum need to be in that conversation, if not on that Mount Rushmore to begin with. I would note that Nico Collins suffered a groin injury. So if some of the routes and stuff are off in that, that could explain why. And just one more thing, Dwayne, the Texans keep doing this dumbass screen spread red formation where they you only have the center and the two guards and they all go line up on the sideline they did it and then they fall started on a fourth and one when (laughs) guess what all they were gonna do is run it up the middle because that's all they ever do when they start off in this weird screen formation that again it's just 
God, Doug, you've already shown it on film so many times, Pep Hamilton. It, you, if you're going to do it, then do it, man. It's like, uh, remember those like muddle huddles, like uh, field goal mm-hmm. things? I remember in high school, we always did this. We didn't run the fake one time all damn season. We just kept, you know, preparing to potentially do it. The defense <laughs> didn't match the numbers, right? Ah. So, okay, enough on that one. Got the audio fixed. So, lo- life is good again, everyone. Great day. Good, great. Yeah. Hey, Seahawks, I'm Damian Pierce, yeah. real quick. Last thing. Are you selling in Dynasty? Because that's the thing, you know, out there is like, hey, the draft capital's not, even though he's looked awesome. And, you know, people ref, like, there's good points, right? Look at a lot of these guys like Michael Carter, who also looked good last year. Never as good as what Damian Pierce is right now. But what happens? Then you spend a second round pick, you get pushed to the wayside. So do you think now is the time to sell on Damian Pierce high? You know, but because you can also miss on something like this. If this was always your motto, like you would have missed on Arian Foster. Like there's some guys that have gone on to blow up right that weren't you know early round picks um but there have been quite a few where if you were if, if you right now let's say you could sell damian pierce for a first round pick next year i think you probably should just because it's also a loaded class if i'm feeling good enough on my dynasty team that i'm like actively trying to win this year then i'd want him because i think he's going to be well that's true yeah it does depend on your on your team but in terms of that generally yeah because we see these running backs time and time again man talk early just retired you know, like this, these guys is prime don't last. And if you can get in a loaded 2023 class, particularly uh, for a super flex league, get one of those uh, chances to get and more of an upside quarterback or wide receiver. That'd be great because remember a big part of this for Damian Pierce. He's awesome. There's also a lot of awesome running backs in the NFL and not many coaches are willing to give them this sort of usage over under one season, Dwayne. For I mean, the, the Texans lovely- aren't good. What if they draft Bijan? Like, there's a lot of ways that this could go bad for Damian Pierce. I think no, we're going to have a new coaching staff, possibly as early as 2023. So that's going to yeah. immediately throw another wrench into things. I would say Dynasty, yeah, probably pro- probably a good time to sell high on Damian Pierce. Great talent, though. Would love to see him keep on keeping on. Seahawks took down the Chargers 37 to 23. Your four and three first place Seattle Seahawks. Great day to be great there. Just keeps on keeping on, man. Pick a stat, any stat for this offense, and it's going to tell you they're a top 10 group. EPA per play, their fifth. PFF team offense, they're eighth. Scoring their top 10. It's just been great all year, man. Geno Smith keeps on keeping on. There are two touchdowns today. Uh, didn't, wasn't able to get the tire locket. We have Marquise Goodwin, the freaking arguably I, I think he did actually win the nfl's fastest man competition him and dante jackson the panthers corner were in the final so marquise had a couple nice scores and then he hit a sick backflip i love the growing trend where the coaches like instead of putting like i don't know a safety or like someone responsible as the top guy in the victory formation you know we got marquise goodman doing backflips justin jefferson does like a back handspring type of thing like you know irresponsible sure like at some point we might see like a fumble on the kneel down and like Marquise Goodwin's doing a backflip as the defense is you know miracle in the Meadowlands and get all the way back to the house or something like that so just just something that you know I do like to keep an eye on uh, throughout the course of a season but Really, in this one, we had the DK Metcalf ankle injury, and reportedly um, the x-rays are negative. We'll see what the MRI says. So hopefully Metcalf obviously gets right sooner rather than later. Wasn't the biggest game for Tyrell Lockett, but the fact he still gave us seven catches, 45 yards after not practicing all week. I mean, that dude is a legit warrior out there. Uh, Dwayne, do you see the tweet talking about Tyrell Lockett's like quest like to not get tackled once all season? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I didn't. They, I have to go check this out. They clip like 90 seconds of Tyler Lockett making these big plays, running after the catch. But like anytime there's a defender nearby, he just hits just the ground down. like immediately. And then, you know, he hey, doesn't... Marvin Harrison used to do that too, and he had a long career. Staying healthy, he's got to do what you got to do. It is just funny the devotion the man's uh, got to doing it. And it's working out for him. So <laughs> no, uh, no shame here. But hey, the big storyline as it should be: Kenneth Walker, 168 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, dominant 73 percent share of the snaps however doing zero targets dj dallas still had to go do his thing so i will say kenneth walker's been awesome he is in this role because rashad penny and travis homer got injured are you at all worried about homer coming back because we know that was not going to be penny anytime soon are you at all worried that kenneth walker could lose this i'm not because i don't think that they're going to be in a situation where homer would actually take any of the rush attempts but i just thought it was worth asking because it is wild that kenneth walker would be the rb3 on this team feasibly if uh, those guys weren't hurt luckily we don't have to worry about that world right now but just based on kenneth walker rest of the season where would you want him because it's look pretty damn good so far i think he's an rb1 now uh i mean he he took 100 percent of the two-minute offense this weekend um so that in the in the weeks before we had seen him take part of the long down and distance stuff so now he's shown an ability to play on both types of passing downs one is more you're going to be blocking uh in a blitz scenario the other one is you know you're going to be going out in a route to get a check down to your point he didn't have a target today but when you're out there on the field in the two-minute offense, that tells you that the coaches think that you're fine, that you can be out there on receiving plays. So, uh, And the other thing with, with Walker is like his targets per route run have been really solid this year, like 23%, going to go down some this weekend. Um, you know, So he's probably more like around the 19 20% mark. I don't have a season-long number in front of me now. Um, but man, just everything there is to love, like, and all the things we talked about in the preseason, you know, just how much we love watching this guy, like just how smooth of an operator he is, uh, how many, you know, missed tackles. This guy, I remember John Madden when he was talking about Clinton Portis one year, you know, in the preseason, he's like, this guy's got moves on top of moves. Like this is Kenneth Walker. It's like, it's like a move, another move, another move. And like, sometimes you're just like, dude, like jam that thing, like in a drive, bro. Like, you know, stop dancing too much, but he's, he's freaking awesome. Ian, like he's an amazing, he's an amazing running back. Um, he, he makes NFL players who are really good at what they do. He can make them look silly. And there's not really that many people that can do that in the league, uh, especially at the running back position. Um, most, most guys, you know, they get what's there, you know, they try to, you know, be physical, those kind of things. Kenneth Walker's truly one of these guys that's electric when you see him with the ball in his hand. So if you have Kenneth Walker on your team, you should be super excited, man. I am not worried about Travis Homer. Like I, <laughs> look, something could happen, but like, what's the point? If you have Kenneth Walker, like you're not getting rid of him, you know, you should be, hopefully you went and got him. Like we've talked about him multiple times being a guy that you may think you're paying. You're going to be buying high. You're not like now you're seeing what buy high looks like, you know, 288 PPR points today, 23 carries for 168 yards and two freaking touchdowns. This guy is nuts. 74-yard touchdown run per next-gen stats. Top speed of 22.09 miles per hour. The fastest by any ball carrier this season. Well, he's 220? Come on, man. You should not be that big moving that fast. Great day to be a uh, – I was playing Josh Jacobs today in one of my leagues, and thank God I had Kenneth Walker to (laughs) offset some of it. (laughs) Or maybe you had Austin Eckler, who is just proving to be more and more of an absolute cheat code in full PPR fantasy. Only had nine carries for 31 yards and a touchdown on the ground, but that's fine when you have 12 catches for 96 yards and a receiving score. Just a filthy goal line route, by the way, for him to get as open as he did uh, in the first place. Nice little uh, whip route. I think they thought he was going to be running a pivot down there. So last year, 
He had 345.8 PPR points on the season. His 16 game pace for this year is 397 because as much as he was being used a lot as a receiver, Dwayne, he really more so got a big benefit from the eight receiving touchdowns. I mean, he still caught 70 passes, but he is on pace to catch 129 passes (laughs) this year. And he played 16 games last year, so fine. Take eight off that, and you know, go down to 121. But this is this is Mc, this is McCaffrey without the 300 carries. Basically, like this is the closest thing that we've really seen to the biggest, you know, cheat code PPR running back of the last few years. So Eckler, the you know, if you want to put Saquon so the RB one, that's fine. But Eckler is not going to be uh, too far behind. It's it's just incredible. Eckler and Josh Jacobs are both way up there. Like we have a really look even after you know. It sucks losing Brees Hall today. There's a really strong group, though, still of of backs that you know are all going to be fighting for these top six spots every week. Like, and Eckler's in that group. Josh Jacobs is in the group. Kenneth Walker's now in that group. Um, you know, it's it's uh, there's a lot of really good players right now at the running back position. But Eckler, man, it's just it, the freaking targets are insane. Um, you know, 12 targets, 12 receptions, 96 yards. It's just, he had a 26% target share today. Um, like he's just doing that every week now. Keenan Allen on a pitch count coming off that hamstring injury. Didn't play in the second half. That's not good. Mike Williams suffered an ankle injury and got carted off. Was diagnosed with a sprained ankle. We'll see if it's high, low. What did he come that. back or did, was he out the rest of the game? No, it was pretty late in the game though. Okay. Uh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Josh Palmer didn't play anyway because he had concussions. So if those guys are out, it's going to be DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, and uh, hopefully Will Fuller. <laughs> at some you just point. wanted to say Michael Bandy. You've been waiting the whole show just to say Michael Bandy. Hey man, he's out there. Okay, and he might have been. <laughs> there might have been another person with that name that's a serial killer in the past, but that doesn't impact the 2022 <laughs> charges. True. Yes, I told you when I searched his name, the serial killer. That's killer right. Before Michael did. Bandy. It was on freaking wheels. So. Hey, it is what it is there. So his parents um, named him after a serial killer. That's that's the that's the thoughts I've been considering, <laughs> Dwayne. So boom performance from Mike Williams. We just got to see if these guys get healthy or not. So uh, how did Gerald Everett's usage look? Because Donald not good. was out even with not Donald good, buddy. Out. Oh. Uh, 54% route participation. Now 28% targets per route run, 19% target share. So he was doing his part to earn, you know, the looks 1.97 yards per route run today. But yeah, that 54% route participation also had me wondering, was there something wrong with Gerald Everett? You got a, you had Trey McKitty. He was on the field for 25% of the routes. You know, we're getting late. We're getting late here. Richard Rogers, 10%. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see a blocking. I don't see anybody blocking him there, uh, but somehow he ended up only with 54%. Chiefs took down the 49ers 44 to 23 and oh my goodness, these wide receivers were going off. So cool little stat here, Dwayne. I got scheduled for like 6.30 a.m. on uh, Twitter. So people think I just never sleep. I like to keep an air <laughs> of uh, mystery going. But so Chiefs, all the wide receivers are PPR points by week and weeks one through six. They never got higher than 39. They were never lower than 24. 75.2 PPR points from this entire wide receiver room today. Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot of us, including me, wrote him off after a pretty slow start to the season. Back-to-back games now over 100 yards and a touchdown. MBS finally caught some downfield balls, 111 yards. He's now put together a couple decent weeks here over the last month. Travis Kelsey continued to do Travis Kelsey things. He actually had a 14-yard touchdown taken off the board because of an illegal hands-to-the-face penalty. And, oh, hey, Mecole Hardman, not one, not two, three touchdowns out there. And that's the thing with Mecole. 
no, he's not Tyree Kill, but guess what? He's really freaking fast, and if you ask them to race each other, it's going to be closer than you think. So just credit to them for getting him the ball in space, not asking to be something that he's not. So it's a scary version of the Chiefs offense if all these guys can keep going, Dwayne. Now, unfortunately, look, Juju had eight targets, Kelsey eight, MBS four. I don't think it's a situation where we're seeing these guys separate enough to just really shoot them to the top of the ranks. It wasn't like a huge workload change. We just saw them. Being a part of a Patrick Mahomes-led offense, Mahomes does his thing, and all of a sudden, the complimentary pieces get going. So just good news for all those guys. But obviously, the big topic is new starting running back Isaiah Pacheco taking it over for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, where they're being called the starter, and they actually still play behind Jarek McKinnon, who led the way with the 40% snap rate. But (laughs) Pacheco did have a team-high eight carries. This was a game where, look, you know, Mahomes was – he only needed 34 pass attempts to throw for 423 yards. So – they were able to get up and sustain the lead um, by passing the ball. I do still think that Pacheco uh, just moving forward, Dwayne, low-end RB2. That's what Claude Slayer was. That's what I'm expecting Isaiah Pacheco to be. I would say he has the upside for more if they are making this switch. Maybe they do eventually just decide to fully uh, sit Claude Slayer down. He did score a touchdown after Pacheco was tired from having a real nice kick return. But overall thoughts on the Chiefs' backfield now that we do have a one-dot uh, sample size unfortunately it does still seem pretty muddled yeah i would say high end rb3 um which is really what clyde edwards alaire's utilization was he just was a you know living on insane touchdown efficiency until he wasn't right he freaking scored another one today like clyde edwards alaire's is the the run of luck here is insane um only had five carries for 29 yards today and he gets a touchdown um but pacheco i think if you think of him as a high-end rb3 you know with upside and to your point if he can carve out more work he did lead the way it's almost like their roles flipped you know pacheco really before was only getting work in games where they were leading and he was kind of like the four minute back at the end of the game but edwards alaire would still get some of that you saw that happen today really pacheco was out there and the first and third drive was pretty was more pacheco than clyde edwards alaire the second drive was Jarek McKinnon. In the past, we'd really seen it be the opposite. So he did get the start. He did get more of the work. I would say Pacheco does get the upgrade. Clyde Edwards-Alaire gets a downgrade. You don't want to go release Clyde Edwards-Alaire, folks, like because like this could easily go back to the other way. Pacheco's going to have to show that he deserves to, to you know to have the role. Clyde Edwards-Alaire's problem, right, is just he just hasn't been explosive. Like If you look at him per next-gen stats, he has the fourth least percentage of carries that go for over-expected yards rushing. Like he just doesn't have it when it comes to creating those big plays. And if you want to have, uh, you know, an offense like the Chiefs and what they like to do, like go check out Jay Moyer. He wrote a great thread, like postmortem. And Jay that loves Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He gr- he wrote a great thread on what he sees going on. Yeah, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a guy that's been a, a true Ceh, you know, uh, Homer right or truther. So I thought Jay had a really good thread on it today. Um, but most likely this is gonna, you know, we'll see what happens. It's still a committee for now. What, we really would need Pacheco to either take over what Clyde Edwards-Alaire has now and just have all of that, have all the early down work, or we need Pacheco to start carving out more of what we're getting from McKinnon to really get excited about him. But it is momentum, right? He's taken a step in the right direction. You play on the Chiefs offense. He needs to be rostered. I will say that for sure. I know it didn't work out. I put out a tweet this morning like, hey, drop everything. And then somebody was like, I hope they don't take that literally like as in <laughs> drop anything on your fantasy roster. No, I meant like drop your groceries, folks. You know, look at look at your phone. You know, come on, stop acting like a human and look at your phone. <laughs> Go pick up Isaiah Pacheco. And, uh, you know, it's still the right move. He needs to be rostered, but we'll see what happens from here. He definitely gets the upgrade. He's above Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You can't have Clyde Edwards-Alaire in your lineup at all right now. No. 
only other note I had for the Chiefs was Juju actually almost had a second touchdown, five yard score. Juju's looking off. good last he couple is. games. He is. And um, again, and he, Hardman he's, had he's a big game too. He's been hurt. We've, he's been hurt the last three years, and that's kind of made it tough to really get through yes. it. He did seem to show more juice. So, uh, than and he's banged up the last. He still looks like a fullback when he catches the ball. <laughs> but you know, Miko um, had a nice game too. But we didn't see necessarily a spike in utilization. This is kind of a hard one. Um, like none of these guys were even at seventy percent route participation participation today. Um, they rotated more guys, but also you had at the end of the game they didn't have the starters in. So I got to like go back and dig into this to this one a little bit more so they were all kind of close but i didn't see anything underlying in michael hardman's uh, you know utilization making me think that his role had expanded or really changed i could be wrong about that i've got to go dig more into it but like he had three rushing attempts for 31 yards and two rushing touchdowns then he also had four receptions for 32 yards and a receiving touchdown he clearly had a chip on his shoulder because he wasn't invited to the uh, Call of Duty game that Juju said he, Mahomes, Kelsey, and MVS. Three straight wins on Friday helped get the chemistry going, Dwayne. I just love, too, how uh, just <laughs> when you're winning the Call of Duty games, they're like, you know, a great sign of team chemistry and stuff. And when you're losing, it's like, how can Kyler Murray be a professional quarterback and be a grown man and play Call of Duty all the damn time? So either way, great job by Juju. Getting back on track and, you know, proving uh, some people like myself – uh, very wrong with just thinking that he was going to not be able to have these sort of boom performances. Just goes to show what Patrick Mahomes is capable of doing on the San Francisco side of things. So Christian McCaffrey debut certainly was on that pitch count. Jeff Wilson led the led the way, we'll say, with 31% snaps, seven carries, one target, CMC 29%. And we even saw Tyrion Davis-Price staying involved with an 18% snap rate. Once again, though, we did get a drive with Brock Purdy in there at the end. So I think TDP's usage is being a little bit overstated with some of that pure backup time jeff wilson to his credit was good out there but it's christian freaking mccaffrey i would expect him to have his usual 80 percent snap roll as early as next week and he's once again going to be jammed in those starting lineups i just wonder Dwayne, if he is going to have that same sort of target share this year the 49ers throwing the running backs are 30th they were 32nd last year now they were 14th in 2020 and they were 9th in 2017 when kyle shanahan decided to throw the ball to carlos hyde a bunch of times for some reason what a time to be alive so i do think shanny being the, the great play caller that he is is going to find a way to get christian mccaffrey plenty involved in the thing he does best but my god man cmc debo Ayuk, kittle a lot of mouths to feed out there and it's a good problem to have if you're jimmy garoppolo and if you're kyle shanahan good game by jimmy again this week took a lot of sacks but 300 yards two touchdowns had a good game last week too unfortunately his receivers weren't doing him as many favors but out of mccaffrey being there Dwayne, again i don't expect his standing as a top 10 running back to go anywhere is this just bad news for Debo and someone that we should get more comfortable at as an upside wide receiver too? I mean, the dude hasn't had more than like 12 rushing yards since week two. He hasn't scored a touchdown on the ground since week one. And even receiving, man, it's not like that we see it underlying measures that he's all of a sudden being involved more than Kittle, more than Ayuk. In fact, it's the opposite. So Debo Samuel, yeah, he's got the talent. We still see that. Last week, he broke freaking nine tackles as a receiver um, out there. The guy's still incredible, but you know, Chris McCaffrey's pretty incredible too. A healthy George Kittle is pretty incredible. Brandon Ive doing the damn thing as well. Kind of rest of season expectations for Debo now that McCaffrey's there. Yeah, um, I think what we really need from the 49ers, um, they just need to, they're going to have to throw the ball more. Um, that, that's what we need. And at least over the last two games where the script has dictated it, we've seen that. They drop back to pass on 70% of their plays. 
um, which what we have seen from the 49ers here, you know, over the last couple of years, even in a game like this where they would trail, they would not get that pass heavy. They would just basically refuse. That, that's the league average for what it's worth. It's not like they went nuts today. The league average over the last three years, if you're trailing by four or more points, um, is to drop back and pass 70%. That's where they were at today. But historically, they've been under that. So it's it's a step in the right direction. We need them to do that in neutral scripts. We need that to do we need them to do that, you know, in positive game scripts as well, at least be at the league average to help unlock, you know, enough volume, you know, for all of these guys. But Debo, like I disagree a little. I, I think just it's the overall offense offensive volume. Like he's definitely been the target hog of all these guys. Like his target shares this season before today, 27%, 24%, 29%, 29%, 30%, 25%. Like you get spikes from Ayuk. You get spikes from Kittle. But overall, Debo has been, you know, the number one guy on the offense when there's two other really good guys demanding targets. Now, today it did come down a little bit. We only saw a 14% target share today. You had a, and you had Ayuk lead the team with a 26%. You had George Kittle at 19%. To your thing on Christian McCaffrey, I think you're going to lose some receptions here. Like, it's just you're, you're not going to get the same volume, but I think you're going to pick up touchdowns. You're, you're playing in a better offense. You're playing in a better scheme. Christian McCaffrey might have only scored five or six touchdowns this year total uh, in the Panthers offense. I think you're going to have an upside for him to come on and score double digit touchdowns alone just in the games with the 49ers. And he could go nuts. That That's where you're going to need to pick up your points for CMC. I still feel pretty good about it, but we are going to need the 49ers. To, if, if, if they go back to their old offense, uh, we're just going to ground and pound. It's going to be bad. It's, I mean, because to your point, like we already struggled with three guys because th these are four elite weapons. This yeah. is not, these are not three average or one good, one okay. You know, I mean, these are four really, really high end weapons. So we've, they're going to have to throw the ball more. And it's in the range of outcomes that they could decide to do that. Um, you know, so we'll have to wait and see. But if they go back to this now, we're going to run the ball 50% of the time. I mean, CMC is going to be fine because he's going to get plenty of the carries. I would expect him to get 70, 80% of the work. Um, but yeah, there's going to be players left out every week of this offense. Final game here. The Steelers lost the Miami Dolphins 16 to 10 in a pretty entertaining Sunday night game. The Dolphins went right down the field on their first drive and looked like they were about ready to score 90 points. And then Tua had not one, not two, not three. Four dropped interceptions throughout the afternoon. That's one of those things, Dwayne. You know, PFF, we get a lot of hate here and there, and it is what it is. You know, you're always going to have people saying this, saying that, but it, it is a hole in basic football statistics. When you have stuff like that, it can be helpful to have someone where, yeah, we do need to add a little bit of subjectivity to things, but anyone that watched that game, and if you look at Tua's passing line versus what actually happened, I do think that, you know, sometimes you can't find a happier medium with that. So when is the win is a win, but we did see just the limitations with Tua and it has looked awesome for certain points this year but the arm strength doesn't do him any favors sometimes downfield and for someone that again is lauded as, as I think as Tyreek said the most accurate quarterback he's ever caught a pass from you do see an awful lot of misfires you know more weeks than not when he is out there so still an offense that despite all that man was still able to have 261 passing yards Tyreek got seven catches 72 yards that's like his floor game at this point Jalen Waddle still had 88 yards so I'm not ringing the panic alarms we just saw this Steelers defense make Tom Brady and a bunch of healthy guys look very mortal and that was before Fitzpatrick and some of these other players were able to come back out there and play so maybe just a sign that like that explosion we saw against the Ravens and some of the early season success I don't I, I still think Tua is firmly in 
that low end kind of QB one conversation, but I wouldn't put him like up with Burrow in terms of just like, I don't think there's a tear gap between uh, Tua and the rest of these kind of pocket passers. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's in the QB two conversation. He's not a QB one, but you know what the ceiling can look like just really as, you know, like what we talked about with Jared Goff, he's the same thing. He's a point guard, right? You know, he's, and he's not, he's he's not going to shoot a lot. Like he's just going to distribute. And the beauty of it though, is when you have Waddle, when you have Tyreek Hill, these guys, you know, can do a lot of the work for you. They can do the heavy lifting. I mean, Tyreek Hill, listen to these targets. This is, these are his targets on the season. He had 13, he had 13 tonight. Um, so he's had 12, 13, 4, 14, 7, 15, and then the 13 tonight. <laughs> Tyreek Hill is like going to have like 200 targets on the season. Um, so I, I'm not worried about any of these pieces. Um, I, I think the main takeaway is your point on Tua. Don't get... Don't get overly down on him. Don't get overly up on him. Like he's still, he'll have some blow up games. I have no doubt he's still going to have 350 yard passing performances where he's going to throw three or four touchdowns just because the receivers go bananas. Um, but you can't expect him to carry the team. Most are 44 snaps, just 18 for Chase Edmonds. And most are doing some pretty good things in the passing game. He, I, I don't want to call it a drop. He got laid out by Mika Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. It is a perfect line. hit. Legal. Yeah. Just. Just yeah. a great hit. I mean, if that was someone else that wasn't, you know, one of the best safeties in the league, Moser could have maybe caught it and fallen forward into the end zone. That's okay. He did catch a touchdown pass earlier on in the game. Right after Mike Jasicki had one go off his face mask, to be fair, defender was getting awful handsy in there. And Jasicki is the final point, Dwayne, because we did see him run a route on 27 of, uh, it looks like, 35 or so potential uh, dropbacks there for Tua. So that's been the concern with Jasicki. It's never been about his talent. It's just getting out there on the field. There's been They've had a lot of these kind of, you know, backup tight ends be a little bit banged up. So maybe that has something to do with it. I believe it, but... Durham. Yeah, I do believe Durham Smythe was out again. So these no, he played. Weeks... He played. He played. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Was there was, was Hunter Long out or was one of the other guys out? Hunter, no. Hunter Long was in there, but no, they're, they're constantly okay. on the injury report. So it's again, okay. it's it's like what we talked about with a couple of these guys. Like, I, I don't think this is a sign to fire up Jaseki as a top 10 player, but Hey, he had two touchdowns last week. You know, we all love watching the guy gritty. Maybe Mike McDaniel's finally getting a soft spot for the guy. And if he's going to be out there in this offense, running a route, Hey man, like I, I don't need the, your magic number of, we don't need 75, 80% of these routes necessarily. If we can get 65, 70 in this offense, that's fine for a player as talented as Jaseki. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it would be fine. Um, especially if they get in these games where they're continuing to be close um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens when these other tight ends are healthy, but he's definitely looking better than what we thought we would have been saying about him by like week six, seven or eight, right? Yeah. Like this is a guy that we would have just been saying belongs on the wire. I think at this point, cause you know, he could he should be rostered probably. And I don't want to say mostly cause there's a lot of streaming tight ends available right now. There's only a few really good ones, but he's definitely in the range of a guy that you should be considering. And you know you have the upside of the offense, right? We know the offense can be explosive. The problem is, you know between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, 50 to 60% of the targets are immediately gone. <laughs> so so you're going to, you know, you just have to accept that. It's kind of one of those it is what it is kind of things. Just like if you're going to play for the Rams and you got to play behind Cooper Cup, you just know 30, 35% is already gone. You know, right. so I mean, it, it, you know, that's just the way that the offense is going to work. That's going to continue to be the case here. Um, so, but yeah, I think Gasecki, you know, he's fine. You know, as one of these guys you're looking at as a, a streaming tight end option, and maybe we start to warm to him a little bit more. Has definitely been out there a lot more over the last two games. 
Kenny Pickett, not exactly a good performance on the other side of things against the Dolphins defense that we've seen uh, be had on numerous points by different offenses throughout the year. 44 freaking pass attempts, only had 257 yards, did have three interceptions to his name out there. So, yeah, it was, you know, 26 total points. You guys can kind of put it together. Not the best offensive explosion. George Pickens did add to his ever-growing highlight reel with an awesome touchdown catch. Deontay Johnson still not quite giving us as much as we want. I would say that, you know, could have had a nice little third yard gain early but Kenny Pickett overthrew it Chris Collins was immediately brought up I mean more deep shots from this Pittsburgh Steelers offense than any other offense no touchdowns on them just yet so Najee Harris continuing to be the lead back albeit pretty ineffectively he did have a nice you know I think 12 yard catch and run where he broke some tackles but it's just one of those things where I do think there's an argument sometimes that these uh, missed tackles for statistics, when they come at the expense of explosive plays, man, I do think it could sometimes overrate guys. And we've seen that a little bit with Najee. So look, we've already adjusted Najee down to this like low end RB2. doesn't need to be forcing the fantasy lineups by any stretch of the imagination. Jalen Warren needs to be rostered far more leagues than not because only one injury away to Najee from having the same sort of just RB2 volume based role. So Pat Fryermuth, eight catches, 75 yards. He got going at the end. It, it's just one of these things when I like the players here, but we're still looking at a bottom three overall offense basically on the season with most of the points and EPA per play statistics. And because of that, it's, it sucks because I think Pickens, I think Deontay, Fryermuth, Najee to an extent. All these guys are good, but then again, I don't feel like any of them need to be started. Yeah, but you're just hoping Pickett gets it going because yeah. with him out there, you've got nine targets to Fryermuth, you got 10 to Deontay Johnson, you got eight to Chase Claypool. In games where he's clicking, all three of those guys could come through in, in an environment like that. You know, so I I think there's some positives going on. We just need to see Pickett take the next step forward. The offense definitely looks better as far as the volume goes in the games without Mitch Trubisky playing quarterback. So I, I look at that as a positive, you know, and you still had six targets to George Pickens. I mean, you got and Pickens, you know, he was perfect tonight, six targets, six receptions, 61 yards and a touchdown. So I think if, if Pickett can take a step forward, like two out of the four could be coming through. Now we still got to pick, like, I can't, I won't be able to tell you which two are like, are going to come through every week. You're just gonna have to kind of start them. Um, but I think there's some positive things right now with the Steelers offense overall, because I don't think they're just going to all of a sudden become a great quality offense, but if, at least if the volume can be there, kind of back to our conversation around um, the Colts, right. When we first started, like, yeah, the offense isn't good, but at least now there's enough volume that maybe two or three pass catchers can come through. I think we could see the same thing here with the Steelers. In fact, like I wouldn't really rate Matt Ryan that much above, you know, Pickett. Like, I think they're similar. I think they're similar guys. Driving rainstorm, you know, the baby hands narrative really was on display tonight. He was, <laughs> was out there trying to deal uh, deal with it. You I know, know I saw gloves. that in the comment. People were already talking about the gloves, yeah. <laughs> Poor dude, you know, he just, just can't ever go to Burger King, but it is what it is uh, for <laughs> Kenny out there. And with that, everyone's going to wrap up another game-by-game game, uh, review edition. My favorite pod to do each and every week with my guy here, Joy McFarlane. Obviously doing tons of great stuff throughout the rest of the week, though, over at MB Fantasy Life. Let the people know what you got going over there, Dwayne. Yeah, you guys can go over and check it out at fantasylife.com. Everything is free. Um, so obviously the utilization report's the first thing I'm working on, and I'm doing that for PFF. You get the deep dive over at PFF. You can get the high-level takeaways over at Fantasy Life, but then you get my rankings, you get my tiers, and then I do the newsletter a couple times a week. You guys go sign up for the newsletter. It's free. It's five minutes. You get it every morning. You can check it out. You can get it actually from my Twitter. Uh, if you go to my Twitter bio, 
So at Dwayne McFarland, D-W-A-I-N-M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-D. There's a spot where you can click on it to sign up for the newsletter. And again, just five minutes, early morning reading. Like you just kind of get all the news for the day in one easy spot. That's great, Dwayne. But like rankings, tiers, you know, like I had to buy an engagement ring this year. I got responsibility. <laughs> like, well, how, how much are you going to charge me for all that? Oh, man, I'm, I won't charge you anything, Ian. But that's also all free. Yeah, that's all free, too. Also all free. That was my point that I'm trying to help. I know. I'm messing with you. (laughs) Great day to be great. (laughs) PFF.com for all my stuff. You guys already know what it is. You hear me barking on this enough. I want to thank all of you for listening to us, as always, and our growing YouTube comments. You guys crack me up in there. No porn boss for the entire episode today. That's always great. Yeah, that was great. Always great on mid-sentence trying to block those things out there. You know, hey, maybe one day we'll get a producer in here. Who the hell? knows but good good community you know and it's just uh it's, it's refreshing to get all the feedback back on this and see people you know be positive be rational and you know i understand the frustrations that come every single you know week in fantasy obviously uh Dwayne does as well and again just uh, kudos to all you guys for being uh upstanding members of the community and showing that we can you know talk about this game have some lows have some highs and still you know smile through it and just go on and try to be better fantasy players at the end of the day that's always the goal right so for Dwayne, i'm ian thanks those for tuning in the pf ff fantasy football podcast until next time take care everybody